Did you know that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. 
people across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. Can, oh can you, no! Can you hear right. the rest of us? There we go. Can you hear Crow? I think okay. I think we're good now. I had everything turned down. I think we're good. Hello, everybody. Right, Welcome to the weekly live stream. Us? I am Jason Lindgren, your host, and with me is Wayne McCroy, the Great Baldini, and Crow Triple Seven. This week we are going to talk about mesmerism, mesmerized by the hypnotic trance of scientism and propaganda. Well, I think he- I think you still got a problem there, bud. No, it's no, it's we're up. Yeah, it's, it's like thirty delay. seconds delay. They they're gonna hear okay. us saying that. So yeah. Well, All right. Anyway, I shouldn't interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know why there's such a delay, but there's there's a lot of delay, especially on YouTube. I think it's actually worse on YouTube. But anyway, all right. Uh, this is actually written. I think entirely by the great Baldini, right? Did you do all this, or did Wayne put, put some stuff in with this too? Uh, it's been a minute. I think I put it together. I don't know if Wayne added to it or not, but um, yeah, this is um, uh, some basis, some background into um, w- what I had discovered in working with the Awakening Project and uh, the the understanding of what has happened to people. Primarily, it is uh, what we would consider in the modern day uh, parlance mesmerism uh, or hypnotism. It is the power of suggestion. So the trance. I like the title you the gave. Trance. This. Yeah, it's a trance, all right. That's for damn sure. So, mesmerized by the hypnotic trance of scientism and propaganda. And I I think that's about as true of a statement about what's going on in this day and age as anything I've ever heard. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely people are walking around in a trance right now. And it's it's sad to see because they, they really are fooled by this propaganda i mean you, you see it in their eyes they're they they're very dubious and uh you know untrusting of their fellow human being anymore if they see you walking around without a mask oh my heavens you're a oh, pariah oh. it's it's ridiculous <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely ridiculous and this is all based upon propaganda and scientism like all of it and that they're absolutely in this trance state it's like an altered state of consciousness almost it is uh, an look altered how quickly, state of consciousness Right. Look how quickly they've reprogrammed the minds of the masses. Like, this is over the course of just a couple of months here, like four months. They've completely changed the entire culture to accept this whole idea of covering your face when going out. And and now you can slowly see how they're, they're pushing the Overton window with this as well. 
to shut people up too because now you see california passed this law where you can't sing in church and you know <laughs> they're they're starting to say you need to speak quietly because if you speak louder that spreads covid germs further and like it, it's it's just obscene Take already and i don't know how your butt <laughs> is that quietly enough yeah yeah, I well, think it's. Uh, I think it's. It's. It's certainly um, apparent that um, the the content uh, is is really unremarkable. It really is not about the content. They can say anything they want, uh, provided that it comes from the right source and carries the right. I think it's the the wavelength, right? Um, they can say anything at this point. I mean, there are people who believe there's a car floating around in fucking space right now. Um, <laughs> Pardon my French, but you take one look at that, and and I've watched that happen with people who did not initially did not know, and they're you know uh, they're globies, and they, you look at it and they go, oh yeah, that's fake, and then they go, no no, that's actually, uh, and you show them that it's no, that's SpaceX, and they're like, oh isn't that great? That's awesome, <laughs> and they, in, they immediately change from realizing that it's fake AF uh, to to suddenly believing it because of the source. So it, it is um, very clear. Uh, as well as the hostile um, reaction that they have when you put them into a state of cognitive dissonance, uh, that is a sign that it's a post-hypnotic suggestion. It's a trance. That's for well, sure. it seems like they're kind of following the playbook. The bigger the lie, you know, the, the bigger the lie, the more people that will follow it because they keep, you know, the, the magnitude at which they pile on more unbelievable nonsense has gotten out of hand. And I think it shows a tipping point is nigh. Agreed. I was uh, thinking about that when I was in the uh, grocery store the other day. Yeah, all I'm saying, guys, is is the star man in the car in space. He's wearing a mask, dude, so everybody up there is safe. <laughs> He's safe. <laughs> so, so get high on heavy metal, man. Right. Go back to the 80s. He's writing the COVID comet. <laughs> oh, the, the comet had a mask, too. That's right. That's Remember right. that? The comet had a mask. <laughs> the asteroid did, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, neo unwise. That's that's what that is. Oh, Beer buggiest minimus. <laughs> oh dear! Every time I I talk to Crow now, I just can't help but think of all that all that leftover cocaine. <laughs> uh, by, the, yeah, by the way, Wayne, I wasn't bagging on you. I was admiring the fact that you couldn't appreciate why leftover cocaine is so hysterical. <laughs> and I was kind of sad that Baldini fell out of his chair because he knew. <laughs> the joke kind of got lost on me, too, because I was thinking, what leftover cocaine? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, right? oh, wait, that, that was the joke. Dummy me. <laughs> that is the joke. And then the moment I said it, Baldini fell the hell out of <laughs> Oh, dear. And then you left him holding the bag. It was empty. But, uh, yeah, there we go. So, um, wow. Okay, so we uh, kick this thing off. Do you want to plow through this, Chaser? Or you want me to, to hit the, the highlights? Or how do you want to do I'll, this? I'll hit the first point, and then we'll just start tearing these down. Because we got, we got four people we got to pass it around to tonight. So... The efforts to gain advantage over others via influence, suggestion, and overt mind control have been a part of society for as long as we're aware that society has existed, in whatever form that occurs. Within every origin story, the beginning of lies and deception is itself an attempt to control or influence the thoughts and perceptions of others for personal or social advantage. This is the most basic form of perceptual manipulation, the straightforward lie. Many other forms exist, from gaslighting, concealments, equivocations, exaggerations, and understatements, to the far more complex forms of long-term, full-spectrum, 
full spectrum propaganda propagandistic mind control which is what we are experiencing in the modern era to say the least uh, we could probably get most of these uh, in some way shape or form with the current situation but who whomever wants to take that first go right ahead not it all right baldini <laughs> was your document so have at well, it. I, how about you i, I mean i I think that um, I, I said what I wanted to say there. I mean, that's the the background. We see we've seen it uh, in every form over a long period of time. Now it is simply more sophisticated, and it's part of a full spectrum uh, uh, propaganda, right? So it's now. Um, I mean, we do still see examples of the straightforward lie and equivocations and these sort of things, but right now, what's happened? It's become uh, more subtle and more complex uh, to the um, you know, <clears throat> and it, it includes all of them. Right, it includes all of these ideas, but ultimately, it is perceptual manipulation. It's the sleight of hand. You know, all all it occurs to me that all of this, which has come full frontal to bear on everyone very heavily, but it's all on a foundation of the fact that human beings learn by example, and it's unfortunate in our day and age that that example is media, that example is television. But the truth of it is, is it really started to, to speed downhill in the 80s. I would mark the beginning of that with The Simpsons uh, back in the days when it was drawn so poorly you could barely watch it. Even when that came in the 80s, it had to be hidden on a not very popular channel and looked at as if it was some cult thing. But look how mainstream it's come. And basically what it amounts to is decades of human beings being presented with the worst examples of what it means to be a human being. And that's almost like the rocket fuel beneath everything we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly true. And one of the things that's also, didn't you point out uh, there, Crow, uh, that's very uh, salient here is that one of the things about um, animations, especially poorly drawn animations, is it requires uh, a bit of active participation of your own mind. Um, so, the, so the idea of narrative transportation goes into full bore here uh, along with using television, right? So the difference between uh, film and television or like uh, theater, for example, is that uh, theater is a bit more passive in that the light uh, bounces off a screen, it's projected onto a screen, bounces off and go goes into your eye naturally uh, the way that you would normally see something. Unlike television, which is a raster, right? So you've uh, got, uh, in the old days, you had cathode rays and now more, a uh, little bit more sophisticated. They got uh, TFTs and um, uh, the LCDs, that sort of things. Um, but basically, the light is coming into your eye and is put back together in your eye rather than being a reflection from something else. And so this requires a bit of active participation of your mind, uh, but at a, at a very low level. And then uh, more more so when you get, include things like um, animations, the, it requires the brain to fill in the gaps. And so you become a participant uh, in the event. Uh, and so when you watch things like The Simpsons or Family Guy, that sort of thing, it really does uh, a, a very insidious, subtle job of bringing you into the narrative because you're actively participating, uh, even at a subconscious level. Add to this the fact that uh, the, due to the flicker rate and other uh, things, the, uh, the television will put you, any display will put you into an alpha brainwave state, very susceptible within 60 seconds. Uh, some people even faster than that. Uh, and it literally puts you into a hypnotic state. And then you're very susceptible to suggestion, the power of suggestion. Again, so we're back to this idea of its full-spectrum uh, programming. But, I mean, what, what you just laid down is the fish hook for the subconscious because what you right. did is pointed out that your brain is forced to take whatever the animation frame rate is 
and fill in the frames that are missing to make yep. it smooth motion, which is how you're you're hooked in. Your brain's going to do it whether you like it or not. But when you go put the hertz rate, the refresh rate, the colors that have been applied, the sound effects and all of it, but uh, what you said, I don't think people have any idea of the power of it. My first job on the internet as a professional internet person was creating some of the first video ads that went in those little banner ads. Of course, we were trying to jam everything down phone lines back then. So I came up with the lowest frame rate that would work over a phone line. It was three frames a second. The highest frame rate that would work at that time was at eight frames a second. But we had to do all these other things, like take the color palette, which was 256 back then, cross-platform. And we would skew black so that there was no true black, because black goes into almost other, every color. We did the same thing with white, skewed white away. So the whole thing has become an artificial narrative, and your brain is forced to fill in all the movement. Like we'd run the super croc thing from National Geographic as a video. When you cut that down to three frames a minute, at first, it seems a bit off. But what's weird about it is if you watch it for a minute, all of a sudden, the jerkiness and the weirdness of it is gone because your brain's sitting there doing all the animation for you. Right. <laughs> That's right. Renan Stampy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, when we, that's when we got all those highbrow cartoons. Man, I didn't realize I was. How did I get muted again? Anyway, let me let me recap what I was just saying. How the fuck did I get muted? All right. So the whole '80s cartoon thing. Transformers, GI Joe, things I watched when I was young, they had they they weren't amazing, but they were good. They were they weren't bad. And then you had things like uh, Transformers the movie in 1986. That was great, but that was a theatrical release, so they put money behind it and to sell toys, of course, and all that. But then once you get that change of the decades from 80s to 90s, huge change, and starts with Ren and Stimpy. That was the one, and, and it also started, not just that the animation started going downhill, but you started getting, um, it just started looking gross, if you know what I mean, and, and it just, it went from there as the 90s progressed, and then you get all the way up to today, and one of the reasons that uh, I didn't even watch Rick and Morty at first was, for one, it just looked like a huge ripoff of, uh, what do you call it, Back to the Future, and I was like, okay, so somebody copied Back to the Future, and they're, they're making a killing off of it? I've seen that movie, it's great. And the animation looked like crap to me. And then I finally gave it a chance and realized what was going on there. But anyway, uh, I think this is just another example of the social engineering stuff. And, and you can see, once again, the 80s versus the 90s versus the 2000s, all that. Yeah, but yeah. One, of the, one of the big differences that you're pointing out is into the 80s, you still had actually artists, real artists, oh, yeah. uh, with, hu with human intention going into a drawing. And what you get when you get up to Ren and Stimpy 
is however those images are being created, the intention has shifted. Now it's supposed to be lowbrow, gross, repulsive, low-minded, bathroom humor. But they're doing it right now. If you've ever seen, uh, what, what do they call the cartoon channel on cable late at night? Adult, Adult Swim. Adult Swim. They're doing the most simplistic line drawings, which are playing off the Ren and Stimpy idea. This is all intent. Um, if you go back to Snow White, which is the first feature, what you see is talented artists trying to put humanity um, and pride into what they're drawing. There's the big difference right there. And that comes down to intent. And actually, that should be a big part of the discussion on mesmerism, shouldn't it, Baldini? Yeah, I think that's, um, that's accurate as well. Uh, you know, again, <clears throat> one of the things that I've noticed here is uh, going back to the idea uh, of the, the decades, right? I noticed this when you guys were doing the decade uh, series and I started uh, just doing some uh, quick math and realized that uh, it should, uh, that, that's a, again, a very clear demonstration of the fact that the society is driven artificially, uh, that those changes should come uh, organically and over recognizable periods of time. Uh, you know, self-organizing structures would do that. Uh, but what happens is these are artificially done because it's done by decades, right? That doesn't, that doesn't appear it should normally appear uh, at intervals based more upon generational uh, effects, right? And but what we see is that these uh, these decades are artificially imposed on us. So the changes that we see over the decades, as you guys have done the series of the decades, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, especially as, even the 50s and 60s, right? Every one of those changes are done right on the dividing line of the decade, and that's absolutely an artificially uh, imposed event. Uh, those are those are programmed, right? All of society is programmed. You know, I really want to do something on the 60s again. I would love to find some people who were there and maybe took part in a lot of what's going on, that they were a teenager or, or 20s, something where the things that were going on, but they're awake enough now that they can look back and be like, damn, you, you guys are right. This is this was everywhere. We saw the manipulation, all that. That would be a, a – it would just be really interesting to see just how bad – the social engineering worked from someone who was actually there and a, and, a, and a young adult at the time being affected by it. Yeah. And uh, again, we can see this. Uh, again, I would uh, encourage people, if you haven't yet, take a look at um, some of the lectures <clears throat> from uh, Marshall McLuhan uh, and specifically dealing uh, with the, the principle of uh, linguistic determinism, uh, but also him pointing out that those who become literate before the introduction of each progressive technology uh, have uh, an intellectual capacity that is far and away greater than those uh, who come after. So people who became literate or be, had the ability to read and write before introduction of the radio uh, were intellectually uh, much stronger and had a, a better cognitive function than those who uh, became literate after um, the, the introduction of radio and then uh, then television, certainly. And I think that you can certainly extrapolate that out to the to multimedia generation as well. Uh, they're now handing tablets to, to babies and getting them entertained. And uh, that's been shown over and over again uh, to vast. De decrease their cognitive function uh, so we can see that these things have a very deleterious effect uh, and you know improve the quality I suppose if you want to say that uh, of the programming effect itself so uh, it throws these um, people uh, who become susceptible to it into again very quickly um, the hypnosis where you can just kind of snap your finger once it's been done over and over again uh, you know it kind of develops a muscle memory in the brain and they go immediately into this susceptible state 
Right, and it's actually been shown that uh, these devices, especially when given to young children at an early age, uh, they actually change the uh, the structure of their neuronal capacities. Like it, yes. it changes uh, the structure of their their neurons in their brain, and it actually causes a decrease in attention span. And we can see that heavily today. Uh, people nowadays they have the attention span of a goldfish. Like they seriously do. <laughs> it, it's sad. and that's and no that's, that, that's not an exaggeration. Like literally, literally no, goldfish not. have a they better attention span. I know <laughs> about seven seconds, and many modern adults now have under five seconds. So they literally don't have the attention span of a goldfish. It's well, very remarkable. It also, yeah, that present prevents people from going back to understand the classics that used to weigh so heavily. Um, because they don't have the attention span to deal with uh, a book of that depth, or right, to think, or to that, think and contemplate also, about it. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, also not not only just that in and of itself, but also to to understand the language like written, because you know the the words and stuff have been simplified through the years as well. We've been yeah. heavily dumbed down, so the vocabulary is just not there for a lot of people either. And a lot of people have no interest in reading something if they don't understand what these big words mean. They they won't take the time to go look it up. Whereas in years past, uh, you know, if it was a story that was holding their interest or something, they might go look up the word and then understand the word and you know add it to their vocabulary. But we've been deliberately dumbed down. They're they're really trimming down the language, and even like we've discussed in the past, just the English language itself even is a trimming down of so much meaning when compared to something like classical Latin, where we lose like all sense of gender in language and stuff like that. So I mean, you, you could see how it's being trimmed down, and then you look at uh, what's the popular parlance right now. Uh, you know, text text messaging so lol they use all these different abbreviations that's another dumbing down of the language or that's actually become part of the lexicon uh these days too like uh mm -hmm. you know af <laughs> like we like baldini you just said that before that's yep. part of the lexicon it is so i like right? i'm ashamed so, i mean and people <laughs> understand but people understand what it means but like you know, give it a couple of years, you know, and, and it might lose the original words altogether and everybody will just think of AF and that's that's the, you know, the phrase. Yeah. So it's that kind of a thing. This is how they, they slowly start to shift the language and dumb it down. So people don't have the attention span or the willingness to sit down and understand, to comprehend things that they're reading, especially in book form anymore. Uh, when they're so geared to reading off of a... a uh, an illuminated screen, so uh, there's there's something to be said for you know good old fashioned books. So oh, I, I still I love, love books, and I love. The and I don't think it. it's something that should ever go away. I yeah, like the way they smell. Just, uh, you know, an ambiance to them. Yeah, it's it's like you know you could be like Joe Biden with the book. You know, just old sniffer. <laughs> Hey, old sniffers. Here's, here's the deal. When the bathtub is full of gorillas, where do the, where the giraffes go? I'm Joe Biden, and I'm, I'm Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Joe Biden, and you're Biden your time. Oh, <laughs> That's for man, sure. That guy. All right. Um, let's go ahead and move on to point two so we can kind of get through this, uh, get some of these ideas out there, and then we'll have a, a larger background uh, to work from. The more subtle forms of perception influence are nearly always top-down mechanisms. That is, being put into play by those who already have power, control, and influence, yet wish to affirm, continue, and concrete their power more broadly 
deeply or onto a further generation. For example, governments and rulers, religions, societies, etc. Now, was the beer bug already kicked in when you wrote this? Because this sounds awfully familiar. No, in fact, it, it wasn't. This was uh, we done. Did, that's what I was thinking. I think we were going to do this a while back, and, and we ended up getting yep. on with somebody else or yeah, a different this topic was or one something. Of the ones, this was one of the ones that got put on the back burner, but I think this was going back to like January or before that he had all of this put together. So, you know, it just goes to show how, how well they've developed these programming tools for us. So, you know, it's not unexpected from folks like us who have researched this stuff and looked into this stuff, but like to actually see it applied in the real world in front of your eyes right now, it, you know, it's it's really eye-opening. <laughs> Henceforth and therein lie the vicissitudes <laughs> of our time. <laughs> I couldn't resist. So, now let's pull the audience. <laughs> Put those puppets away. <laughs> I love Sorry, you, man. <laughs> oh, you're the man. Yeah, that's um. Uh, again, I think just um. Yeah, keep keep reading, um, Jason. Just kind of keep going through this. I think if we get down to certainly four, we'll get a a pretty good. Uh, backdrop to where we're going here. Generally speaking, the more subtle the form of manipulation, the less likely it is to be recognized by the target. Overt lies are more subject to skepticism and suspicion than are more subtle and indirect forms of suggestion and innuendo. Until this happened. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean... It is true that, that more people, uh, the longer the situation goes, the more people I see that are beginning to go, wait a minute. Uh, so that's a good sign, um, I think, overall. But uh, because the lies are becoming a bit more overt, it, it's you know easy to see that the numbers don't add up when you talk about this most current thing. Um, they, they say right, a, lot, a lot of things get said these days, which I know people aren't catching. There was an example. What was it? It was, without that star... Um, television just wouldn't rise to the level of disappointment that it currently does <laughs> so pe people hear it and they think oh well they see that started something but, but wait a minute is that good or is that bad yeah. they they can't put it together and that's kind of similar to the language we're talking about here yes wayne you had a comment before we continue oh no i did not okay he he Crow summed up, uh, you know, kind of the, the whole idea of what I was going to say. So I will remain silent and listen to, uh, you know, the smarter people in the room talk. Uh, and we'll be quiet for a while. You're in uh, trouble. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go into uh, number four. Let's get through the through the points of number four. And then I think we can um, kind of bounce off that. As an ethical, <coughs> excuse me, as an ethical construct, certain gray areas appear wherein the suggestion of or convincing a person that something which may not materially be accurate if deemed for their personal or a greater societal benefit is considered a positive result. For example, the, the, exactly, the placebo effect. A person who falsely believes in the potency of a drug or ritual as having the potential to positively affect their health or well-being may actually substantially improve their health or circumstances despite the generally accepted inefficacy of the drug such as sugar pills that are given in tests and things like that that's that's a good that's a great example actually and you know what sometimes it, it really does crack me up yeah masks are well masks are bullshit folks that's, that's just, just do that 
Let's just say it. Sugar pills are more effective. Sugar pills are more effective. <laughs> you, you, do you know why? The sugar pills don't freaking hurt you. Yeah, exactly. They don't Except they're, they're high fructose corn syrup. That's not actually sugar. <laughs> yeah. I only take organic sugar pills, thank you. <laughs> Non-GMO. All right, point B. Although many perceive the PE or the placebo effect as being of fanciful imagination and the result of optimism bias in researchers or observers, the effect is real and proven definitively as having far greater than statistically significant results. Although there is yet no agreement upon the exact mechanisms and processes involved, it is widely accepted that placebos have profound benefits for a certain subset of patients in clinical trials of nearly all medicines and supplements tested. Well, yeah, because mind over matter is a thing. It's it, You're doing it to yourself. You are putting your own intent into whatever it happens to be, the, the pill that's going to stop your stomach, whatever it happens to be. It doesn't matter. It, this is all about you changing things the way you want to with your own mind and you're just you just happen to need a it's, crutch to do it i mean the, these things are common actually you just it, you rack a discipline it's a microcosm of an assertion i made some years ago that if you get a million people to fully believe in a thing then in fact it exists at some level and that's the whole idea that the human mind stream shapes this reality and placebos prove it at the highest level. And the reason they won't agree on the mechanism is because scientismists would have to admit that there's more to the human body than machinery. Of course. Well, that now if you read now if you read point C, uh, it'll summarize that perfectly. <laughs> here, here, here we go. Well, <laughs> the other thing is they can't quantify how much the placebo work because it's going to be different from person to person. That's all. That's correct. It's going to be how much that person, their mind is affecting over the matter. And that is definitely going to be a unique thing. So when they can't quantify things, they get all pissy. And it's like, nope, that's nothing. Throw it out. But anyway, point C. The generally accepted theory of the placebo effect is related to the power of suggestion, especially upon certain individuals who are more susceptible to suggestion and influence. Less readily agreed, but broadly suggested, is the outward and external manifestation of the will and beliefs of the individual as a material reality. This is largely supported by the idea of magic as the manifestation of belief and directed will into the material world. And this all comes back down to something we've been talking about a lot lately, and especially with Crow and myself, and that's intent. Intent and what's put behind it. You are putting an energy, a thought, a form, and pushing that out into the universe. With the placebo effect, when it comes to a sugar pill, you just happen to be doing it on yourself. I think what go. I think what they're actually burying in this language is what they consider lower-minded people or avid followers as a personality type uh, will benefit greatly from the placebo effect. Is not really what they're getting at here, Baldini, Wayne. <clears throat> well, uh, so I wrote it. <laughs> This is is my take. Let me rephrase that. Isn't that really what you're getting at? Well, um, yes and no. The thing is, it's not necessarily low-mindedness. And um, ultimately, that's kind of what I'm getting to with the the, um, Awakening Project. It has less to do with intellectual agility. And more to do with the way that you process information and what you where your threshold of acceptance is, and into what where you put the value of um, 
I guess you would you would say discernment, right? How you do how you determine uh, where your threshold of believability is. And uh, I saw in the chat that somebody said they thought it was about thirty percent. This follows almost precisely uh, the standard uh, Pareto distribution of eighty twenty. The eighty twenty r- rule applies here, and that is that when it comes to the power of suggestion, and the same is true with the placebo effect. <clears throat> it's about twenty percent uh, who are very susceptible uh, to the power of suggestion. It's also about twenty percent that placebos work miraculously for. Uh, there are 20%, conversely, who um, placebos have very little to no effect upon. Uh, and again, about 20% of the people are very difficult to, to almost impossible to hypnotize or use the power of suggestion. The remaining 60% lie on a standard bell curve distribution. And there are things that you can do to improve um, the quality uh, of the power of suggestion on those remaining 60%. And we can see that in society. In fact, they've, they've um, in fact, increased it to, um, by, by my observation, I would say it's better than 95 percent of um, of the uh, population is fairly well indoctrinated and some to the point where uh, almost irreversible i would say but there is still uh, a probability at least a possibility that you could uh, make up you you could get that 20 percent or at least a a portion of them uh, to snap out of the spell with the right um, triggering mechanisms you have to kind of work around uh, the landmines that have been placed there. So, y- yes, a low-mindedness in terms of sort of that, that, I guess, was, a vi- that was a poor choice of words, by the way. Well, but, vi- vibrational, but but not intellectual. I suppose is the is the thing there. It's a it's a way of looking at things and where you get your um, how you determine what things are right. When it comes to, for example, um, using like one of the one of the aspects that I'm using in the Awakening Project, Crow, is the uh, Myers Briggs personality test or the MBTI type index, and um, it uses uh, four categories, each with two possible results, so it gives a total of 16 different um, categories. possibilities and those who have uh, now I've gotten respondents in every single category but the highest percentage uh, is upwards of a little over 90 percent about 93 percent is actually the lowest percentage per capita which is the the combination of NT in the middle um, which is intuitive thinking uh, so in other words they're drawing intuition they're drawing um, uh, the quality of information from themselves rather than from an external source uh, and they're thinking about it rather than than perceiving, again, an external validation. Um, so they're not looking for an external validation. Uh, so again, there's an ISTJ that's sensing thinking, right? So you can use sensing rather than intuition. Uh, sensing is still can looking so external, but the thinking part brings it back in. Um, so it's the way that you process information has a great deal to do with it. Uh, that's, now again, if, That's, that's kind of what I was getting at, though, because if you're an alpha, um, you're a person who's generally going to say, well, I'm not going to do that. Why should I do that? Let's mm-hmm. decide what's the best thing to do. For lack of better terms, a beta or a Charlie or someone down line that would be more of a follower is almost certainly going to ben- benefit more from the idea of a placebo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so that's kind of what I was getting at. Uh, there was a poor choice of words, but the idea is leaders and followers, and typically in most of the tests that I've seen, leaders are a low percent. Um, and then there's yes. almost like a, a pseudo leader group, I believe, if I remember correctly. Like a um, second in command, yeah. Well, it's like they, they want to be more than their station allows in the reality of things. That's oh, kind right. of the way yeah. I, I viewed it. Yeah, um, okay. But I'm just saying, if you're a follower, um, wouldn't that make you the most open to suggestion among other groups? Yes, and those who, um, those who seek external validation or ultimately, ultimately, it depends. It's a, it's a matter of trust. 
And uh, it doesn't mean that the people who don't buy into it are untrusting of everyone. It means where you put the trust. Do you put the trust in your own sense of validation or do you put the trust in an external source? And we've all been taught to trust authority. Uh, so certainly that is the wrong thing to do, but that's Respect that's what has come of yeah that's what has come of the indoctrination centers that's exactly what you learn in school more than any amount of information is the hierarchy and who to put your trust in and that is authoritative sources and that's exactly what we see with the sort of fact checkers and that sort of stuff that you see in social media um, or you know uh, news saying oh that's a like snopes or that sort of stuff right uh, they're claiming to be an authority authoritative um source uh, e even though you know like the wayfair thing right again we've kind of I don't know if they debunked it, but we've certainly looked at that as sort of a truth trap. It's, it's an odd thing. But, but initially, for example, Snopes comes out and says it's not true. Why? Because Wayfair says it's not. They, they denied it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Super great. Uh, did you they're, kill they're, that guy? Nope. Didn't do it. Their, yeah, they're handing out their own placebos to each other, basically. <laughs> exactly. It's an information placebo. <laughs> I just exactly. farted in this exactly glass. Would you like to is. sniff it? Yeah, it's exactly what that is, right? So it has uh, very much to do with um, how you, where you put your trust, uh, and, and is that the trust that you put in yourself and your own ability to understand things, or that uh, you believe that you cannot, tr you know, you're dumb, and the smart guys in the lab coats are going to tell you the truth. Uh, why would they lie? That's often what we hear. But why would they lie? Uh, because they they have been told, and not just told, they they've been programmed to believe uh, that you're a bad person. If right, you got a problem with authority. Well, that's a I good know, thing. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so that was um, certainly my experience in in uh, going through the educational process. Is that I had questions, uh, and it was not just discouraged, but punished because you were creating a problem, right? You're just, uh, you know, you have a problem with authority, right? We're going to punish you for that uh, because, you know, you, you don't want to mind, right? Well, mind, what, what, do you, what do you mean? Uh, you just don't accept you know, you, mindlessly, basically, uh, what they say. You, you go through it and you say that's that those things don't add up. Um, that creates a problem. Right. And, and uh, most of the teachers, frankly, they're they're not, um, you know, in on it. Uh, it's just a hassle for them because they're just trying to get through the curriculum. Uh, and so they've been programmed exactly the same way. If somebody gets out of line, right, which is to them asking questions and taking up time doing so and asking difficult questions that embarrass them, uh, that that creates a problem. And so whether it comes to, um, you know, you see this sort of thing with the, the blue tongue bootlickers, right? Uh, when it comes to just do what the police, oh, well, you know, you should have just done what they said, comply, right? Well, they're giving you unlawful orders. I'm not going to comply with that, <laughs> right? You can get arrested for your only charge being resisting arrest. Yeah, I don't want to go with you because it's kidnapping, right? You don't have any authority over me. Um, so the, this is, um, from what I can tell, uh, the primary uh, key aspect. There, there are other aspects, and this is a very dynamic thing when it comes to people who uh, who become aware of the of the uh, deceptions and not. Uh, and everybody's a little bit different, but there are categories. Certainly, there there are certain key elements that um, we can find corollary value in, and uh, much of that again does have to do with where you put your trust. Wayne, what you so got? If you trust the dude in the if you trust the dude in the white lab coat, uh, then you know you're you're gonna fall into these traps more and more so. So it's yeah, it's one of those things. That, you yeah, know, the conventional wisdom is conventional wisdom though is if you trust the guy in the white lab coat, then you are as smart as he is, right? Because you can kind of badly repeat what he says, so you're smart like that. And, I think and that's I'm gonna get a white lab coat just so people <laughs> trust me more. I have four of them. We should give one. that a try. <laughs> you can borrow. Yeah. 
And I wonder if you go out in public in a white lab coat and tell people, you know, that mask is cutting off your oxygen supply if they would actually. Oh, what a great what social doing. engineering experiment to try. That's got to be that's got to be filmed. Someone's got to oh, yeah. do that. Pocket protector and uh, glasses. I'll do it. And I, I look, I look crazy eccentric with my long hair. Stethoscope. Jason, Walk you don't look a like a doctor. You need some. You need some dude that's a bit older who looks the part. I could pull it off, probably. I bet Wayne could pull it off, too. I don't know if I could pull it off. <laughs> that would be classic um, to go out and film that. But we could start a new tradition. We could say that you got to dress for podcasting now. Remember how you used to have to, to dress <laughs> for dinner? <laughs> oh, we got a show. I'll be right with you. You know, we literally just dress for podcasting. Should be a well, new I've, thing. I've been known to undress for podcasting because I, you know, I'm <laughs> naked when I get home. So, oh, now the bat's out of the keg. Yeah, well, that's why I don't use a camera. Right? You get more than you bargain for. Shawing. <laughs> oh, yeah, the horse is out of the stall, and he's not coming back yet. So oh, my. quicker. Okay, um, sure. All right, so anyway, I think we can um, certainly again, uh, wrap up that whole idea, right, is that it's it's not really about – uh, it's not really about intellect or intelligence. Uh, there are many people who are, um, you know, we'd say you would say book smart, or they they can get, um, you know, so again, some form of um, knowledge, right? But without the gnosis to go with it, right? Uh, they they don't have the understanding, and they can't internalize it or use it in that way. Uh, I've often described, for example, the the difference between the guy who's read every book ever written on mountain climbing, uh, and you know, versus the the Sherpa who is illiterate, never read a book on mountain climbing, but he's been to the top 30 times which one do you want to guide you to the top of the mountain if you go with the first guy you're going to die <laughs> I mean right. Moses is going to kill us <laughs> get away from that burning bush <laughs> hey hey Dale but, uh, but yeah so you can have the information and information uh, gathering uh, is only helpful once you can internalize it and really truly understand it and that really comes through experience and then beyond that right then you have uh, beyond gnosis then you have the wisdom and that is to be able to project it forward and, and um, pick, you know put it into um situation right make it materialize and understand it uh, but these are be these are the primary differences right between um, those who are able to perceive the lie and those who cannot um, and even if someone has the right tool set uh, if they are deeply enough indoctrinated or, or don't have the time if you're super busy and that's one of the things that everybody in um, that has responded in our survey um, has in common is that they've had at some at some point they've had the uh, the time uh, to look into it for themselves and really dig in because it does take time if you're um, really uh, distracted uh, and busy with work and family and that sort of thing. It's unlikely uh, that you'll rock the boat because you, you begin to very quickly realize uh, when you begin to understand the implications of what it would mean if those things weren't true. It does it does change. It's a paradigm change, right? It's a total sea change. It's not just one thing. It turns out to be everything, right? And so um, if you begin to accept it, you really have to <clears throat> you really have to go. Uh, where the uh, you have to have the temerity, right, and the intellectual honesty to go where the truth leads, irrespective and regardless uh, of its consequences, which is why the name of my channel is Unintended Consequences. It did, didn't mean for that to happen. It, it just did, <laughs> right? It's just when you begin to follow the truth and um, go where it leads, you don't really have a choice. If you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it. All There's right. no halfway here. Are we ready to go on the next point here? Yeah, let's pick up at number five. In ancient Egypt, the use of dream temples or sleep temples were employed by priests as metaphysical hospitals or healing centers. 
They later were found in the Middle East and ancient Greece, typically dedicated to the Greek god Asclepius, the god of medicine, from whom the staff of Asclepius, representing medicine, comes. Now, in case anyone is not familiar, there are two rods with snakes wrapped around them that you might have seen. <laughs> and they're two entirely different things. In case are you are not a Crochable 7 radio listener, and I, uh, Rose isn't with me right now, so I can't say what episodes are we talking about here. But the Rod of Asclepius is just that. It's a rod with a single snake around it. The other one is the Mercurial Staff, and it has two snakes intertwined. Trickster. I'm sorry? Trickster. Yeah, Trickster, exactly. <laughs> Among so, other things, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so very, very, very important distinction. So when you see things out of the far past uh, uh, dealing with medicine, it's the rod of Asclepius that you should be seeing, the single-snaked one. But anyway, in 1928, a young J.R.R. Tolkien, who, in case you live under a rock, is the author of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and other such things, was part of an archaeology dig in Gloucestershire, UK, sorry if I butchered that name, that unearthed a Roman sleep temple. These sleep temples used a variety of methods, including ritual and suggestion, often considered the earliest forms of hypnotism to aid a variety of ailments, both physical and mental, with claims of high success rates. This also reminds (laughs) me of the Temple of Delphi, although the intent behind that might be a little different. But it's very similar. The um, the the Oracle, I should say. Yeah, the Oracle of Delphi, and they, there is, uh, you know, fumes, I guess, that they would uh, put into an altered, altered state. They but they high. used a variety. <laughs> yeah, uh, they used a variety of methods, um, including um, entrainment uh, using sound, like drums, um, dancing, uh, a, a variety of things. Again, to change um, the uh, biorhythmic and uh, the brainwave states uh, to improve the quality or the efficacy of the power of suggestion. Right, and they didn't have that good Gloucestershire sauce either, man. <laughs> you know, they had to use whatever means they had available. So. And if you str- if you struggle but, with that word, all you got to do is slur it like you mean it. You just say, "Hey, what's this here sauce?" I, I just <laughs> I just want to know why the movie didn't include this uh, pretty important aspect of the young J.R. Tolkien's life, right? I How watched that movie. Yeah, how many people are going to go dig up some old Roman sleep temple? That might make it into a movie, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah I think they left out a lot of his life. Definitely see. Yeah, he had a lot more, you know, in his background than what meets the eye. That's for sure. Well, he knew enough to write about the two towers back in the day. <laughs> Indeed, he he put a lot of a lot of stuff in there. Um, all right, so now at point six, now we're starting to get uh, the uh, the change into more modern times. So, Jason, if you want to pick it up with point number six. In modern parlance, hypnotism and mesmerism are nearly interchangeable and often conflated, although the original premise and practice of its namesake, German Dr. Franz Mesmer, who lived from 1734 until 1815, originally used the premise of the body's natural magnetic properties and electromagnetic fields as his basis for experimental medical practices. Point one, Mesmer observed magnetic properties in the human body and animals and began using rudimentary magnets to attempt to redirect magnetic fields in the body in a similar fashion as the Chinese practitioner of qi and energy flow. While Western allopathic medicine largely poo-poos these concepts as pseudoscience, certain aspects have such statistically significant positive outcomes, for instance, 
acupuncture, that they are presently covered by insurance companies as part of a healthcare or recovery rate regimen. By the way, <laughs> there's an even bigger one than acupuncture, and that's chiropractic. Yeah. Despite the positive efficacy proven by acupuncture and hypnotherapy and its inclusion among insurance coverage, each with legitimate medical billing codes required for insurance reimbursement of fees, many in the medical community insist that these positive results are entirely a result of the placebo effect and the power of suggestion. Well, chiropractic certainly isn't because you hear pop, 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 pop. Sure, and when um, I think again, this was written um, bef- well before um, your conversation um, with um, what's her, uh, Eileen? Is that her name? Um, with the the tuning forks. Oh, right? yeah, these yeah. are all kind Eileen of Eileen McCusick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there you go. And so, Dangerous um, tuning forks. Dangerous, yes. Deadly. Yeah. So, so, uh, but certainly, um, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, previously about the the uh, aura, right, and the electromagnetic fields, the bioelectric field that surrounds the body. Uh, these things are measurable uh, now, uh, but certainly they were again long uh, dismissed by the scientific and I would say scientism community uh, as being of no value. Again, uh, from from my observation, anytime uh, they poo poo something, that's a that's a great indicator that that's a place you should look because they're um, they're trying to distract you and uh, occlude the truth so uh, in any case yes this is um, th- these things do work and in a variety of, of methods and means uh, but certainly uh, modifying the electromagnetic field was initially what mesmer was trying to do mesmer turned this magnetic effect animal magnetism a phrase now entirely altered to have a completely different meaning that of an ineffable quality of human sexual attraction. Its original context was entirely confined within the context and meaning of Mesmer's original premise of electromagnetic field flow within the body. Big surprise, they twisted it to mean about sex. During his healing sessions, Mesmer would use magnets to redirect the flow of these energetic fields within the body, while simultaneously speaking in a smooth, calming tone to the patient, putting them into a relaxed, trance-like state, perceived by Mesmer as enhancing the the effectiveness of his treatments. In the late 1700s, Mesmer's practice and healing sessions were the subject of both wild popularity and intense scrutiny in both the scientific and cultural communities. Many of his supporters became protégés and understudies, spreading the practice across Europe, and for God's sakes, hopefully got them to stop using leeches. <laughs> Not for a minute. <laughs> Mesmer later <laughs> abandoned... <laughs> Mesmer later abandoned the use of physical magnets during his sessions, believing that he had developed the ability to direct the magnetism by his will alone. Others believed that the continued success of his treatments were primarily due to his increased effectiveness in the hypnotic, trance-like state he was able to bring his subjects into. In time, both the practice of using magnets and the hypnosis were referred to as mesmerism. And just as... uh somebody who practiced martial arts for quite a number of years, I could tell you there's really something to the idea of chi, or as the, the Japanese call it, ki, uh, as, you know, being an actual energy that you could focus in order to, like, direct your uh, your strike or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish uh, into a, a very small area to have, you know, maximum force. There's something to that. I mean, I've experienced it myself, uh, so, I mean, whether this relates to magnetic fields or, or how it works, 
who could say? But, you know, that kind of goes right along with uh, what Mesmer was practicing here. So, I mean, it's not to say that he was mistaken in his assumption that he was able to manipulate uh, the magnetism by his will alone. Uh, That might be a very possible real thing. It is a possible. Yeah, it is a possible. Yeah, just based upon the idea of your key. Um, so I, I mean, it's it's something that has been actually, I think, scientifically measured uh, in different experiments and things. So they they acknowledge that there's something to it, but they don't understand exactly what it is. So or they won't or they won't explain that, it. Right. You know. So I think there's a again there's a divergence there between what um, some of them know uh, versus what um, the you know their their group knows. Right. So the group think is going to lead them away uh, because they're told uh, don't don't go there. Right. For right. for example, in the it doesn't <clears throat> fit into the neat little scientific box that they want it to. So they they won't go there. It doesn't exactly. fit in their paradigm. In the late 19th and early 20th century, for example, um, when they were getting into the ideas, uh, especially some of these ideas, uh, it was roundly, uh, again, poo-pooed by the mainstream establishment to the the effect uh, that um, those leading it, for example, the Royal Society, uh, basically issued an edict saying, if you even look into it, uh, you are going to be, you know, ostracized. And so uh, people then, you know, wouldn't threaten their careers uh, by even looking into these things. And yet now, um, over time, when we apply modern, um, you know, scientific, you know, modern technology, I guess I don't want to say conflate scientists, scientists, um, science with technology because they're not the same thing. Uh, but when we apply modern technology to the ability to measure these fields, we can absolutely see for I mean, for example, um, it was, again, long uh, considered just poppycock uh, that, for example, dogs and birds uh, could read the magnetic field. Uh, in the in the earth and of course now we can very they have even named um, uh, the uh, organic structure within birds and in fact even dogs have them dogs will always point north and south uh, when they uh, go poop (laughs) they line (laughs) themselves up that way uh, (laughs) when they poop Uh, and that's I mean it's true they line themselves up and birds um, can follow the magnetic field lines even dogs can do it it's now been shown that dogs will uh, can take shortcuts in unfamiliar areas because they can uh, sense the magnetic magnetic field of the earth. Um, so again, this was long dismissed. I mean, even through the 70s and 80s, uh, they were dismissing this as uh, nonsense, and yet it's been now proven. And so the idea that humans have sensitive sensitivity to it, again, it still is kind of um, dismissed, and yet it's been shown that some people are more sensitive. I think everybody has the ability, but like many things, um, we were you know discussing earlier uh, how as a child you can see things that you cannot see later, largely because it's discouraged. Um, once you learn not to see things that you're not supposed to, um, you know, you, you stop being able to, right? You just talk yourself out of it. So I think there are many people, for example, who have a sensitivity to electromagnetic fields, uh, and they would consider it a sixth sense, right, or a gut feeling. Well, keep in mind, you've got more neurotransmitters in your thorax than you do almost anywhere else except for your brain. Uh, so they call it the belly brain, right? So um, um, it's been proven that, again, you send and receive uh, electromagnetic information out into the world um, through your thorax, right? That gut feeling, uh, that sense in your gut is absolutely true uh, and and it's been demonstrated so uh, again we just have to um, take everything that the scientific community says i'll say but not with just with a grain of salt but kind of turn it over it's on its head um, it's it's all seems designed um, as a lie 
right? And there you go, folks. If you take nothing else away from this, remember, dogs understand the concept of feng shui. They poop north-south. So, (laughs) yeah, always learn something new on this channel. Yeah, but but the underlying idea of the animal magnetism, which was changed, if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't old Franz Mesmer actually put iron or something like that into people and physically use magnets to do stuff? So when well, when he when he was describing or when it was described originally as animal magnetism, there was an absolute corollary with like the idea of a magnet. Well, yes. He so he thought that there was um, a fluid in the body, like a ferrofluid in the body, like ether. Um, that, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what and what he didn't know is that the blood carries iron, right? So, um, he, so he had it kind of almost right. So he thought that there was a fluid somewhere in the body that was uh, like a magneto fluid uh, that he could control with these magnets. What he didn't realize is that the the iron uh, that the blood carries iron. It's one of those central components of it, um, you know. And so uh, yes, the, and again, that's a we could do an entire uh, series on blood and but the interesting he, didn't aspects. He, didn't he actually have people like drink? Some liquid with iron he, yes, or something he, in it. He did. He would. Yeah. Uh, he did. He did make a couple of. Um, he, he was going through a bunch of different things, and he was trying a variety of, of uh, different methods to try to improve it. That, that is correct. And he did um, have like metal filings uh, that he and he was using alchemy uh, to try to do some transmutation right. as well. Yes. So uh, alchemy again during that period of time was a so, that that was the basics of chemistry. I mean, you you were you, you weren't even considered a chemist. You were an alchemist. So there's uh, a Mars so, relationship to the whole idea. If if you know if he's using that metal in an alchemical way, there's a Mars idea there too, right? I would think so. Yeah, gotta be. So um, let me. If we can, uh, the next few points are kind of um, thick, and let me just kind of blast through it real quick and just hit the highlights there rather than kind of read through the whole thing. I just hit the highlights. Um, so there was a lot of scrutiny uh, around Mesmer and his methods. Um, it eventually led to some scandal and, uh, again, generally a discrediting of his methods uh, by, again, the sort of the Royal Society and what kind of went on. For example, in 1777, he was considered a failure at having cured an 18-year-old musician of blindness um, despite having restored a fair amount of the boy's sight, right? So he went from complete blindness to partial sight, uh, but they considered it a failure because... For what technique? Uh, you know, I've never heard that one. Yeah, so he was using his standard uh, mesmerism technique by using uh, uh, his hands, basically, to uh, to redirect the flow of the energy in the body. That's what he was doing. Okay, can I... Uh, but I, I want to ask you a question, Baldini, and Wayne, too, if you participated in the writing of this. Don't you guys feel like that mesmer found something that's pretty amazing all the courts in europe were all over it and then pretty quickly they moved to defame him um the underlying idea being hey man this dude's on to something critically important here um so they kept all that and took it further and further that's the sense i get is that the sense you guys get absolutely crow in fact he's not the only one right it's sort of the same with um tesla it's kind of right. You didn't hear right. about Tesla growing right. up. So absolutely, uh, he he stumbled. I think he uh, blindly, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, hmm. uh, stumbled onto some things that he shouldn't have. And uh, and so what you see is the result is in 1784, King Louis uh, appointed four members of the Royal Society of uh, the Royal Faculty of Medi- Medicine, uh, including um, noted chemist uh, Lavoisier, Doctor Guillotine. Yep, that guy, and wow. Benjamin Franklin. 
hint, hint, uh, Hellfire, Hellfire. Hellfire. <laughs> exactly. Uh, to investigate you, these practices. You, you know what they were doing, you know. That's these, exactly these, right. These pretty women were waking up in the morning and say, wait a minute, man, what happened last night? I don't remember a thing. <laughs> you know that's what they were doing. Right. So so they basically came in to discredit him. Uh, and so um, they conducted a series of exper experiments um, aimed at not determining whether the treatment worked, um, but whether he had discovered this new physical fluid. Right. So he believed it contained the flow of the magnetic field. So, again, they went into um, complete uh, deconstructionism. They, they ignored the purpose and whether it actually worked and said, oh, uh, you, you claim that there's this fluid. We can't find it. Right. There's no evidence of this fluid. So you're full of crap. Uh, so whatever benefit the treatment produced was just attributed to imagination, right? They just say, oh, you're just making it up. Uh, and um, But the botanist, um, uh, Duchot, uh, took exception to the official reports, and he wrote a dissenting opinion, right? So he, so he called the theory credible and worthy of further investigation, but he wasn't on the inside. He wasn't an inside player, right? So um, Dr. Uh, James Braid, who was a British surgeon, at least picked up on the hypnotic aspects of it, right? And what we would now, again, uh, through semantic drift call uh, mesmerism uh, he called it hypnosurgery and he started using it um, in the days prior to uh, anesthesiology he would use hypnosurgery uh, to um, uh, to put people under and had incredible results in terms uh, of um, success uh, because many of the, I mean over 60% of surgeries uh, in those times resulted in mortality. So <laughs> you didn't have a good chance. It was a last resort. Uh, and he had uh, incredible results, did uh, Dr. James Braid. In fact, facets of hypnosurgery still remain in use today. Um, there are several modern medical clinics, um, including preoperative and postoperative recovery, that use um, hypnosis uh, as their primary um, you know, means. And hypnosis as a standalone practice, of course, um, involving the focused attention and relaxation techniques um, is uh, used commonly and widely uh, with with uh, you know somewhat mixed results but for you know smoking cessation and weight loss that sort of stuff um, so uh, again proponents say that it's a it's a you know useful detractors will almost universally attribute any positive results to the placebo effect but uh, there's certainly um, uh, again it's the same idea as when they started to discredit the um, uh, um, subliminal advertising Right. They said, oh, that's just nothing to it. It's nonsense. Uh, but the, again, the reason why is because it freaking works, right? And they don't want anybody to, to understand how well, powerful this is. Yeah, they admitted it when they outlawed it, right? I think it was exactly. in the 70s when they said no more genitals and boobs in the ice in the right, exactly. whiskey commercial, right? Um, <laughs> right? So and, they, and they outed their own self in the law, you know. And this gets exactly to what you're talking about, Crow, and this is what I have mentioned several times uh, in the context of um, uh, the philosophical conversations uh, that were regularly a part uh, of the, the discourse, at least during academia, uh, up until about the late 1960s, uh, about the effect and, and the efficacy of these things on society. Uh, it suddenly stopped. Right. Because I mean, it appears to me with exactly the same kind of chilling effects that we saw with Mesmer, they realized that people were onto something uh, and they had to shut it down. So immediately it gets out of the public discourse. This is all happens again by the time we get to uh, the late 1960s and the military really getting into hypnosis uh, as well as other paranormal things. Uh, they poo-poo it publicly, uh, but then, you know, shut but shut it down so nobody can talk about it. Well, this this should clearly tell you something. It's exactly the same uh, as what I say when you look at uh, when you look at media and they say uh, only listen to us. Any other source is nonsense. That's fake news. Uh, but, you know, the guy saying that is lying to you. Well, that that 
you know, again, uh, very clearly tells you uh, that they're misleading you. That's kind of the point of this whole document. Well, I would suggest that a lot of that advertising is probably foundationally based on what Mesmer did. Of course, I'm imagining you're going to get up to Fruit Dude and these other people. Um, but I'll put a thing. I don't know if that's going to link. Is that link I just put in their work or did it get stripped? No, nope, it's there. Can you it's click there. on it? So you can see even up into the modern age as an example what Skittles is doing uh, with versions of the subconscious ideas. And so to me, this kind of subliminal advertising is foundationally based on what Mesmer started, isn't it? I think so, yes. I mean, it's all, it's all kind of part and parcel, right? So it's all bits and pieces. Uh, and certainly, again, when you get to the, the power of suggestion and this sort of um, thing. And for, for example... Um, it was uh, Aldous Huxley, right? He he recalls the the. I don't know if you remember uh, Crow. You're probably old enough to remember um, the Learn While You Sleep um, records. Do you, do yeah, you remember? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So um, my dad had a set of those, and in fact, I at the at the time I was a kid, I bought. You could go to Radio Shack, and they still had a little speaker um, that was a flat little speaker you'd stick under your pillow for that exact yeah, purpose. These l- l- yeah, these little learn while you sleep things, and the idea was that again, uh, you could improve your um, uh, your confidence with women, right, or for uh, salesmanship, right, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, it's again humorous to hear uh, Huxley say it because he's got this admirable accent, don't you know? <laughs> yes, boy. So, yes, he's he's interesting to listen to. But basically, the, the thing is that um, they would put these out with a money back guarantee. And again, following this exact Pareto distribution, about twenty percent would say it doesn't work, and they give them their money back right away about 20 percent said oh it works fabulously and they're like yes yes dear boy and um they would uh you know they'd buy more well the 60 percent in between to varying degrees would say well maybe it works a little bit and they go oh well you just need to do it more right uh, <laughs> and so uh it, but it worked uh, fabulously right and again had nothing to do with the with the whole learn while you sleep thing it just really had to do a lot with the power of suggestion uh, and so um he very again uh huxley cl- very clearly uh, tells these tales and, and he uh, immediately segues into the military uh, using uh, these uh, types of techniques to try to develop a super soldier and with the results that again you had uh, a very small percent about five percent that it worked on fabulously right I mean just it was everything they wanted with about the same percentage about the five percent that completely washed out and would would kill themselves it fractured them and they would literally try to commit suicide some successfully Uh, and then that uh, that remaining uh, 90 percent in the middle uh, to again to varying degrees um, would it would work Right to, to varying degrees, and th- again, all of this, um, all of this conversation went completely away at the end of the 1960s uh, when it began, and you can see immediately these effects be, be began to be uh, incorporated into mainstream media, especially television. Uh, they simply began to use these things, and it's right at the end of the 1960s that we see um, that video that came out that shows um, the uh, the um, uh, you know, trust your government, right? It's got all that hip, um, got that subliminal stuff uh, at the end of the broadcast day. They would play the national anthem and put the stuff down at the bottom. Uh, and between the words, uh, they would flip over and say things like, uh, you know, again, obey. Uh, no original thought, just exactly like they live. It was, it's remarkable. If you slow those down, you can actually see it. Uh, so these techniques were beginning to be used on the general public uh, right toward the end of the 1960s and early 1970s. Right, and it was well established at that point that these methods do work. And in fact, that uh, learn while you sleep thing is based upon 
uh, a technology called psychic driving, which was perfected by a Dr. Ewan Cameron, uh, who was actually a major part of the MK Ultra project that's uh, kind of been the, the portions of it that have been declassified and come out. So, you know, like these things, there's real effects and stuff that could be done with them. Uh, the psychic driving uh, technique, what they did is they fitted a person with a helmet and uh, they would have uh, the same phrases and, and different insults and different things like that repeated to them while they slept. And this actually affected their behavior and was able to alter their behavior uh, by doing this. So this is something that was used in a more torturous type of a vein uh, during the MK Ultra project. But uh, this was all studied and, and all the data was collected. And, and this was all done under the auspices of actually caring for uh people with mental disorders so you know it, it's it's one of those things it's well established that these methods work and especially like these subliminal type messages and things like that they knew full well when they put this stuff out into the public programming that it worked because they they had all the data from these different uh mind control projects that they had done under the auspices of the military uh so they they knew exactly what they were doing with this so there's there's they definite intent there there, there's actual. I think you can still look up the documents where they actually started to run it on the public in ways you you wouldn't even imagine. Like uh, someone goes to see Doctor Zhivago, and the frame rate back then I think was 24 frames a second. What they'd do is they'd cut a frame in half and they'd put a male penis um, mm -hmm. in half a frame. And this was like running all over the place. And then they were measuring what the result of that was. And by the way. This was right at the initial push to normalize pornography, um, which, uh, help, help me out, Baldini, what's the movie that did it, Jason, what's the movie that did it? Um, Deep Throat. Deep Throat. Oh. <laughs> so Deep Throat was the actual flip point when they began to normalize, and those were the tests that ran into it, and of course everyone knows about Watergate, where the guy who's going to be named all over world news gets the pornography title name, Deep Throat. And so all of these are based on what Wayne was just laying down, but you can actually look up that they were doing things like posting half a frame of genitals in general public things where even children were present. And I love, um, as we go through this, I love how um, <clears throat> prescient uh, Crow is because he's always kind of a little bit ahead of the curve. If you pick it up um, with number point number 12, uh, Jason, you'll, you'll see what I mean, especially 12 and 13. So just pick mm -hmm. it up with number 12. Sorry if I'm jumping the gun here. No, you're. You, I love it. You're, you're. You're. You're anticipating what's coming around the corner. That's what I'm saying. He's it's good, good stuff. Yeah. Numerous modern psychoanalysts, from Freud to Kirsch, have practiced and incorporated aspects of hypnosis into their synthesis and treatments. A 2006 release of a declassified 1966 military document indicates that the U.S. military establishment has taken enormous interest in hypnotics, although typical of their published findings, they publicly discredit it as having potential, yet clearly incorporate its use into numerous aspects of both publicly acknowledged use, psyops, and disavowed black ops materials, such as MKUltra and others. This aspect of the military-industrial complex is particularly telling, in that they have historically often poured enormous research resources into research in esoteric projects, for example, remote viewing, psycho, and telekinesis, publicly disavowing its potential, yet clearly incorporating aspects of these projects into later research under DARPA and other groups. 
This intrinsically disproves their declarations of these studies as valueless and worthless, as the purpose for proclaiming them useless is obviously and observably to misdirect and deceive. But there and you indeed, go. indeed they indeed. do misdirect and deceive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, these were all very well documented things. Uh, these were things such as what's called Project Looking Glass, uh, which had to do with remote viewing. Uh, they, they've done these things, Project Stargate. Uh, all these things are done under the auspices of the military. And I, I think it was Army Intelligence was performing some of these different uh, uh, programs, if I remember correctly. But uh, it's it's a well-established fact the military was pouring a lot of resources into uh, these programs and had great results. And, in fact, that's what the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats was based upon. It was based upon these projects. This was a real thing. So... Uh, you know, and, and that was one of the things that they worked on in one of these sub-projects was actually just using the intention to kill and directing that mental energy towards uh, a goat, per se, and that's how they came up with the title of the movie, and you were able to actually stop the goat's heart uh, by doing that. And that, that was an experiment that they had performed. That was one of many experiments they had performed with people. And this is where you get into things like psychokinesis and telekinesis and stuff like that. But that's all based on intention. And they had poured a lot of resources into this. In fact, a, a famous uh, psychic back in the day named Yuri Geller was a part of this program mm. as well. He was one of the guys that they used a lot of times uh, for remote viewing purposes. And they, they had a lot of success, a lot of good hits with uh, the remote viewing aspect of it. So, I mean, these are all things that have been done under the auspices of military intelligence. And... Uh, they, they took this data and moved it forward into other programs that we probably have no idea what they're even called or what, what they even do with it. Because a lot of this stuff, you know, it goes deep black if they have success with it. I, I think they were actually making fun of the public in many instances. Uh, what are some of the things? There, there was a an old children's commercial. These cards are marked. They're a mess. They're a chocolate-covered mess. And without the context of the thing, but think of... Uh, who is it? Alan Parsons, Eye in the Sky. I can read your mind. I can cheat you blind. <laughs> um, they, they inserted uh, the other side of the coin that is apparently existent uh, in many things that seems basically, I don't know what you guys think, it seems like a poke in the eye to me. Yeah, they do it all the time. <laughs> well, all the time, uh, maybe we should talk about that gentleman for a moment because he's, uh, he's pretty dumb. I was in, just going to mention Aquino was also uh, portrayed in that movie. They didn't, they didn't name him by name. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was the he was the jerk <laughs> in the men who stare at goats. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that once a long time ago, and you could tell they're just uh, they're trying to discredit the information. But uh, there really is a major general stubblebine, and his wife is actually quite active in the uh, alternative yep. medicine community. She's a doctor, Doctor uh, Labo, I think is her name. So it, it's all just about making fun of us. And, and poo-pooing information that's really good, but when in fact there's probably some serious value there. Oh, no doubt there's value there. They wouldn't have uh, dumped all these resources into it if there wasn't. So, I mean, that's that should tell you something right there. But as far as Aquino goes, I mean, here's another guy who uh, wound up uh, with a, a bit of controversy about him. He, he got into a scandal at the Presidio. Uh, where he was supposedly, uh, you know, 
trafficking, trafficking children. children. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's you know, there's that other tie-in it, again with all this stuff. Yeah. It's amazing how all these it, things crop up over and over again, huh? Isn't the Presidio like DreamWorks now or something or Star Wars Central? Pretty sure the Presidio became something to do with uh, movies, which tells I you something about it. yeah about the <laughs> the energy of that place to begin with. Indeed, <laughs> they do it over and over again. The, right, right. The script keeps Golden Gate. Yeah, the script keeps playing out. Um, they just you know change the players a little bit, put a different name on it, uh, different overlay, but the script continues to play. It's the same thing over and over again. So. Um, Jason, if you want to pick up in point number fourteen, this is fourteen is pretty salient. We the Pareto desperate. Yeah, I can speak. The Pareto <laughs> distribution or the eighty twenty ratio appears to have direct correlation to susceptibility to being influenced by suggestion and hypnosis. About five percent of the population can be very easily hypnotized, but around twenty percent are highly suggestible, and around twenty percent are very difficult to hypnotize while the remaining 60% fall on a typical bell curve distribution pattern. There you go. And so we, I mentioned this before, and this is um, something, again, that I uh, pay attention to as I'm trying to uh, put some metrics uh, to these things and, again, help better understand um, what's what's happened to people, right, and to try to figure out a way to deprogram it. Because it is uh, it uses a variety. In fact, why I call it full-spectrum programming. It uses a variety of tools and methods uh, from uh, cult uh, programming uh, to, again, hypnosis, straight-up hypnosis, as well as, uh, again, using uh, societal pressure peer pressure that sort of thing uh, and much of it is simply suggestion uh, they don't they don't often say the thing for for example the the mass stuff right all of these uh, are guidelines <laughs> right that they get the people out uh, the mask holes are the ones who really more enforce it um, I haven't had you know, again any interaction with um, law enforcement or very few people even at retail outlets it's always uh, the other people who, who are like you need to be wearing a mask right? like, yeah, yeah they they've, they've created a self-policing <laughs> system. Exactly. Um, so they get bought into the idea, and they believe it's it's a built-in um, sort of Dunning-Kruger effect. And this is, again, what's entrained in us uh, as we go through the educational or rather indoctrination process in schools. Uh, again, if you can uh, badly, you know, to an extent, uh, parrot the information, uh, then you get marks, hmm. right? And uh, so people who think they can do that, they think they're smart. They're just repeating what they th- uh, uh, the lines of other people that they think are smart. Uh, so if they if they think Bill Nye is smart, <laughs> okay, um, it just shows you shows you they're dumb, right? But but they think he's smart, and so they think repeating what he says makes them smart. Uh, it, and <laughs> well, look, this is this is the Fox uh, News uh, effect and all that, where the, the talking heads <laughs> spit out some nonsense, and then you have all the ding dong Democrats spouting their crap on one side, and then all the ding dong Republicans on the other spouting th- their it's just it never ends man yeah it, it uh, and i did yes call them mask holes that's that's what i call them uh the people <laughs> well, who insist are, that, <laughs> that i'd be wearing a mask and and i, I you know i just won't do it do you have um, a mask nice you can't it. shop in here if you don't have a mask really but uh just watch i mean 
to to this date, uh, all I've got, all I've had to do is just say I have a medical exemption. Uh, I have yet to have difficulty. The um, for the first time today, a Starbucks said no that we won't serve you. You'll have to go to the drive-through, and I was like, all right, it's the last Starbucks I'm ever going to drink. My coffee's better anyway. <laughs> screw, screw you guys. Um, I just I just won't bend that way. But I haven't had any problem. Where a lot of people have really uh, stomped and had a big fit. Um, you know, I just smile and say nope. <laughs> And most of the time, people don't say anything. Um, so uh, again, I uh, for you know everybody gets to deal with that the way they want to. Uh, I'm not going to um, push or pull on that at all. Just saying, you know, I won't do it. And but I'm nice about it. I don't have to stomp around going, "You're taking away my rights" or anything. I just looked at the I looked at the state mandate, and it very clearly says that uh, people, you know, there are, people can have a medical exemption, and no one can ask. The only people that can ask yeah, anything about. It. Yeah, exactly. And the only people could ask anything about it is an employer. Uh, if an employee claims um, exemption, that the employer can check be, uh, the medical stuff just enough to find out how to make accommodation for them. Um, so I, ha- I just <clears throat> when for uh, where I work, um, they said, you know, you can't be around people. You know, I said, fine. So I just moved my office back to the warehouse and I, I deal with people by phone and email. <laughs> fine <laughs> i like it um no problem for me uh so it didn't it didn't really create a problem in that sense um but when it comes to the public again i, I won't wear one in public and i've begun shopping i've done everything since this whole thing started without any change to my life at all zero change whatsoever you, you can kind of tell when it's when it's going to start wearing thin when all the comedy the good comedy about masks all those clips if they're not shot down come like someone creating, I don't know, a mask bikini and a mask speedo, just things that are chuckleable and funny, where the underlying yeah. subconscious message is, is this is not serious business. And I've started to see a couple. Someone posted one on our forum today where guys went around to California Beach saying, hey, man, you need a mask? And everyone's like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for them. Um all right, uh, you want to hit point fifteen there, uh, Jason. There's several points to that one, so we might um, we might stop at a couple of points. Yeah. But, um, go ahead. However, using additional elements such as multi-state audiovisual stimuli, chemical influences, sensory dep- deprivation, etc., in addition to traditional methods, can greatly and dramatically increase a person's susceptibility to suggestion and overt hypnotic measures. And I'm sure a lot of people are already familiar with uh, the stories behind the MK Ultra and what they throw at you to try and break the mind and that's exactly what they do they just do it in a very hardcore way and one of them is social distancing by the way and one of them is wearing a mask by the way those are considered torture techniques I'm giving very thought to eating your wife um, mm. one of the most successful platforms for creating a hypnotic state is television wow newsflash of the uh, millennium here isn't it <laughs> The subjects often fall into an alpha wave state within 60 seconds of being exposed to television programming. God damn, that 60 seconds. I mean, they got you in a minute. Successful use of content to produce narrative transportation effect. All right, go ahead and explain that one. Yeah, sure. Narrative transportation effect is um, it, it's kind of two things, but uh, the primary methodology there <clears throat> is that they uh, include you as part of um, the show. Uh, so, for example, a lot of the procedurals, like let's say uh, CSI or Law and Order, um, they demonstrate um, um, conflict, and, and you identify with one of the characters. And so, when they present a moral dilemma, uh, they've got you then uh, agreeing with um, the uh, character, and so you become basically part of the uh, part of the show 
right? So you're emotionally uh, transported uh, into um, into the show by identifying with the character. And so this is the narrative transportation effect that it, it basically includes you. You you emotionally identify uh, with one or more characters, and certainly with the content of it. And when when it's done, and they resolve the moral dilemma, uh, even if you didn't agree with that um, particular. Uh, viewpoint before you are now much more likely to at the end because the the character with which you identified uh, came up with a solution that uh, you agree with the character so therefore you agree with the the premise and after several uh, episodes then uh, they can get you to change your mind on um, topical things like uh, even um, things such as uh, you know women's right to choose that sort of stuff again I, I want to get into any of those things I'm just saying controversial topics um, they they have and you, if you go back and look through especially television procedural television shows cop shows uh, hmm. through the 80s and 90s in particular in the early 2000s um, you will find telegraphed many of the issues that then showed up later it's like predictive programming on steroids uh, because they will present um, a, a dilemma an ethical dilemma and then resolve that dilemma by uh, including you again in the narrative uh, and and cementing in your mind that this is the way to approach it. And then later, uh, some months or years later, uh, the exact same scenario will appear in the news and you've already made up your mind in advance the way that you should deal with this. And again, of course, it always follows the mainstream narrative or whatever they want you to think. Uh, They never want you to think for for yourself. So they, they run the scenarios in your mind in advance. And so when the situation actually occurs, you're already on their side because uh, you've already participated through the pro- through the process of narrative transportation. You all, you've also just described how porn works in the modern era, if you think about it, yep. why it works. Is, is that why my stepmom hates me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, oh, there you Holy go. smokes. <laughs> well, Danny, put on your damn mask, man. You're infecting all of us. Because <laughs> he's always naked. That I, I got to find that extra cocaine and surround you somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I can't order pizza or get a plumber over here for some reason. <laughs> well, that's because the pizza delivery man ain't coming to your door, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Um, no, it's yeah. south in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone see the Big Dipper? Head towards the Big Dipper. I don't know. Look which way the dog is pooping. You might be able to find it. Yeah, follow the dog and watch which way he po- he poops. Um, all right. So uh, go ahead to point three there. Uh, 15.3. 15.83. Use of subliminal content embedding. Well, that's kind of what Crow was talking about before, wasn't it, with the penises? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's not just that, uh, but it is uh, other things. For example, product placement, uh, or um, you see it often in um, Spielberg's movies. He has he's often uses elements of three in framing the way that they use cinematography. You'll see things framed. Kubrick was a, a master at doing this uh, to put things in a certain background to take um, the position of your eye and you follow um, you follow the frame, right? So you can see what's happening and the action will happen over here, but your eye then will drift over here, and they've done. Uh, tons and tons of tests to see um, when they do retinal scans to see what you look at when you're looking at images uh, and the way that your eye will uh, prioritize what's in the frame and so they then take the results of those and they frame cinematography to do those things and so they can embed a lot of information that you don't catch at a conscious level because you're consciously watching the action in the front but what's happening is that your eye does catch a lot of the stuff in the background and they can put all kinds of stuff and then if you again if you look especially in um, 
um, you mentioned earlier, Jason, uh, children's programming, especially cartoons. You, mm-hmm. If you go back through, you'll find all kinds of um, occult symbology from the eye, the pyramid, um, pentagrams, all kinds of stuff uh, gets included uh, in that. Um, it, not to mention just the you know the overt um, narrative of some of those things. If you go back and look at uh, GI Joe and Cobra and stuff, and I never really watched those until you know now. I've, some people kind of broke them down. I look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're telling the exact they're telling the exact story um, just as a cartoon. Right. Uh, it's it's remarkable how much information, as RV says, uh, truth in the movies lies in the news. I mean, he, he, people, people have no idea how advanced this is. I was even doing a study where the position that the eye or the retina is when the stimulation occurs um, and the flicker rates and all these things. So what they yeah. would do is when they designed the, the current scene, they would make it in such a way that pulls the eye to the upper left corner because the photoreceptors are better positioned to get the stimuli they're about to do. I mean, it's insane the level of effort that's gone into this. It is remarkable. Yeah. I mean, they, they leave no nothing uh, to chance. I'm, I'm telling you, all the, all the research that I've done is that not a single detail is left out. They, they've got it all covered. When I say full-spectrum programming, I mean everything uh, from the song choices, the melodies that are used, um, the, the way that they tie those in. Uh, it, it is all to do uh, – uh, there's a lot of it that, again, sets up emotional triggers uh, so that later you can be triggered into an emotional state uh, very quickly, again, by based a post-hypnotic suggestion. So when people get upset when you talk to them about certain things, uh, they right? That's a post-hypnotic suggestion. They're they're triggered, uh, and there's a reason that word is in use now. Trigger requires uh, a mechanism, and the mechanism has been placed there artificially. It did not naturally occur. All right. So the last one is flicker fusion threshold can greatly enhance the effects of hypnotic suggestion through the use of television and multimedia programming. So what are we talking about there? I I think uh, I jumped the gun again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there it is, the flicker fusion. That's how Crow rolls. It's the concept uh, of the um, psychophysics of vision, and it basically is uh, defined as the, the frequency uh, at which intermittent light stimulus appears to be um, completely steady to your average observer, uh, but the flicker fusion threshold um, related to the persistence of vision, right? And this is why um, film works, right? Um, the original, you know, a movie was originally, again, these are 24 static frames running by um, to give the uh, impression of motion because of the, the flicker fusion threshold in the human eye. Different um, species have different uh, flicker fusion rates. Um, the Like an eagle, for example, has uh, about out, uh, it's almost 20 times more um, better resolution than does the human eye. Uh, but we ours is about um, 19 uh, is what the, the is the, the the number they use there 19 frames a second. But again, they use 24 to make it appear a little bit smoother. Whereas um, you know uh, an eagle is upwards of 120. Uh, so, um, but it's a it's a physiological and uh, psychophysical um, threshold. Uh, so it gets uh, it's a, basically the display frame rate and the refresh rate has been um, specifically chosen as a technological consideration in doing television from its very beginning of a cathode ray tube. Uh, from the very early um, outset, it wasn't it wasn't just a random thing. It didn't happen because of the technology. It happened because they chose it uh, based on what they already knew about the physiology. But, but they, you know, there's another way. If we put this in layman's terms, it's almost like saying, at what point does someone looking at this thing see a steady light source? 
and is not able to really detect that other things are going on. Um, isn't that really what we're talking about? Because at the end of the day, it's frequency, what is it? Amplitude, frequency, Amplitude, yep. mo modulation. I think there's a thing called depth of modulation. Yes. But mm -hmm. the point is, is that for television to work early on, um, like if you go back and see someone film an old black and white, you can see the modulation, it's easy. But your eye couldn't see it. So for TV to be convincing back in the day, in a way, they had to work this out right or it would yep. seem like it was blinking at you all the time That's but correct. what's worse is if you take the hertz rate off the back of a modern tv whatever that number is and some of them are well over i don't know what are they up to baldini do you know what the hertz rates are up on the modern tvs are they well, six, um, 60 was the classical but now they're uh, i think they're over 20. 200 when you're getting into 120 or higher it's really messing with but stuff it's, but it's but it's always at the it's always working at the same so uh, so again the video to begin with was 30 frame rates right 30 30 frames per second uh, and that, then it went to then the television uh, refresh rate or CRT was 60 and now it's 120 and then the, the next one's going to be 240 it's always on that um, same variation against the harmonic but uh, but but spell it out for people what what the, if you look at the hertz rate on the back of your television that's how many times per second it's blinking. That's correct. Right. That's what they call refresh discuss. rate, meaning how many times a second that that picture is redoing itself. So think about that. That's that is a super quick, never-ending bombardment into your brain, really, because As, it's just going right well, in. You're staring at it. Well, it's now you have to that, ask yourself. Baldini pointed out that one of the key importances here, back in the day when we went and saw a film projected on a screen, we were looking at reflected light. Now we're all looking at projected, right? What, what Baldini called rasterized, you can think of as pixels. But yes. the, the thing is, is to project light changes the entirety of a reflected color palette. Yes. You cannot have a reflective color palette in a projection. So in projection, every single color becomes man-made. Or, you know, well, it's okay. It's exactly yeah. It's exactly the difference, for example, between um, pigment colorization and light colorization, right? They kind of almost work backwards. Uh, so when you begin to add all the colors together in pigments, it gets darker and darker. When you begin to add all the colors together in light, it gets whiter, lighter and lighter until you get white. When you add all the colors together in a light, it becomes white light. <clears throat> and this is why. Uh, and you've talked about it before, Crow, and, and you're spot on with this. Is that the natural uh, primary colors, right, are red, <laughs> blue, and what? Yellow. Yeah, it's supposed, supposed to be. That's, right? That's the, that's the natural color. That's the natural colors. Those are the primary colors. But when you get into computers, it's what? RGB. So basically, to think about that is imagine the spectrum in your mind and just slide the little yellow one just slightly over till it's green. Do you understand? So that's a third. That's one. That's a tertiary adjustment on every color. Right. And then the other thing is that, uh, again, is so what Crow was saying and what I mentioned earlier is when you're watching a film that's light that's projected onto a screen and it bounces off the screen and then into your eye in the same way your, your eye is receiving light the same way you would in the natural world in which the light bounces off things and the reflected light is what your eye receives. When you watch a television screen, um, that light goes directly into your eye. It is recombined in your eye within the eye. And again, it requires a bit of active participation physiologically, although – 
Um, it takes away so, so basically it takes away some of your energy to do it um, and some of your mental capacity even though you're not consciously aware of it. So again, this in, uh, this greater puts you into uh, a more susceptible state. So everything that they're doing uh, is basically you know again sucking your brains out, um, <laughs> like Alec Baldwin as Jay Armstrong said, right? <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, the Hulu commercials, yeah, because we're aliens and that's how we roll. Again, how how much of the truth are they telling you there, right? So um, these things have been uh, designed. This is none of this is by accident. Um, they it's specifically designed uh, to flicker at a certain rate to put you into a, a hypnotic trance, uh, so they can feed you this information. Now, again, um, consider for a moment. Uh, remember, just a few years ago, that um, they made laws in the United States that they were going to trans they were going to change from analog to digital signals um, for for what higher resolution so you could have you watch. They, they made it a law. Right? That you had to watch, watch watch sports better. Consider the consider the implications of that. Right? That it was they required going to this uh, digital broadcast signal from the analog, and what that means. Um, there, there is. Uh, the, uh, again, go back to they live the movie. They keep you know Roddy Roddy Piper said it's a documentary. It sure the fuck is. Um, they, it, it is clearly stated in that movie that there is a wave pattern within the signal. Right? That puts you into it altered state of consciousness. It's absolutely true. Um, your television uh, carries all kinds of information that you are unaware of. Uh, it, it is um, carried within the signal stream and it's broadcasted straight into your mind. And um, if you want to go back and take a look, um, I have to find it real quick, but uh, there is a, uh, a series of patents from the 1980s that a guy working for DARPA uh, created where um, they can literally use uh, the flicker rate uh, and um, the processing information just from an old cathode ray tube. That was before they had the LC and the plasma displays uh, to basically um, inject thoughts into your mind using a television. I mean, just using a, a television or a cathode ray tube uh, by the way that they were uh, modulating those signals. Uh, they could literally put thoughts in your head because they can put it on the same wavelength as your thought processes, modulate it such, such that uh, you receive it as electromagnetic signal. And they were very successful in uh, changing emotional states as well as clear, lucid thoughts like putting a thought into your head. Uh, this was done in the 1980s. And there's patents for it. Well, you know, That's there's the something else they're doing, too. Yeah, go ahead. It's not just the refresh rates that are increasing as well. Uh, traditional film was a frame rate of 24 frames per second. That's what gave it that nice, smooth, kind of uh, slightly blurred look that gave a, a sense of realism, which, of course, also projecting light through film also helped. Like, it gave it, it, gave it a certain look. Everything being digital now... <laughs> it existed. It was real. It wasn't imaginary. Right. And, and now they're, I mean, they, they do frame rates out the wazoo. Or 20, like video is 30 frame rates, which is why it doesn't look like film. Uh, then you start getting into things like 48 frames per second, which is double to give it this kind of hyper real look, which I always find very annoying personally, but some people like it. Uh, then video games and things like that, to, to be smooth, you, have, you need 50, uh, excuse me, 60 frames per second or higher. So just think about that. I mean, these things are just bombarding your brain endlessly. Yeah, but the, the new TVs, here's the rub. There's a threshold. I don't know. It's like three or 400 hertz. It's like way above what, when I read it, I thought was acceptable. Because I, you know, I, I would look at 120 hertz TVs, and you, you're not really getting a sense that it's flickering at you. They claim a human can no longer detect what I'll just call a flicker rate above three or 400 hertz. Um, so you know how you do it easily, up, though? Point a, point a camera at it? Well, that's what I was going to get at. Um, and you and I covered this almost three years ago. If you have a brand new TV with a high hertz rate that's over 100, um, take a quality camera and put the fastest frame rate it 
on that you can. Turn out the lights in your room so that the glow of your TV screen will be enough to get the image onto the camera and then begin to randomly click off stills. And the reason you're doing this is because you can catch things that have been bedded uh, into, the, into the image portion. That's and, what I was getting to. Yeah. Oh, did I jump? Sorry if I jump. Go ahead. No, no, no man, that. you're. Dude, you're you're pressing it. You're always right on it. Uh, in fact, uh, there was uh, a stink a couple of years ago. A gal took a selfie. Uh, you know, just she took a selfie with her with her cell phone, and the TV was in the background. Uh, and she caught a white frame, just a single white frame. It said "murder." <laughs> uh, just oh uh, my just God. the I white frame with black litter. I remember, that. I remember that. Yeah, it said murder, and she, she she demonstrated it was absolutely from her phone. Um, there was no trickery involved, it, and it was she was just watching the news, and it was, just came up a single white frame. It said murder, um, and so who knows what came before or after that, right? <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> so uh, these are the things that are put in there, and you would again never catch uh, without you know some other way to to go through we it. Should, You'd have to. We, sh we should open. You know, we got a number of people following us here. We should some night just have people do it just get a few hundred people to figure out what the hertz rate on their television is get even your cell phones have good enough cameras but it, it needs a really quick frame rate if it doesn't have a fr quick frame rate it will still work um but you know what was going on in that story wasn't it first of all what was being pre presented on the news had to do with a death um i forget there was something more to it but if you got a few hundred people doing that it would be interesting particularly in the studies you do baldini to see what would come out of that yeah i'm i'm in interested i'm fascinated by all these things crow and um you know i uh had suggested on my so and again i don't have nearly the coverage that you guys do of doing uh, a conscious um manifestation uh experiment where we all think of a single thing uh and manifest it try to manifest at the same time right something very specific uh that we would try to to manifest and the studies have been done experiments have been done that have been uh very very interesting uh results but uh given that uh, this is a specific subset of people right we, we are all, uh, at least to some degree or another, um, broken away from the spell. Uh, then we have a, a different vibration, right? Uh, to me, this all has to do with um, vibration, frequency. Uh, and so if we can get kind of on the same frequency at the same time, I would be very interested to see um, the results how, of that. How about, we, how about this idea? September 11th coming. We're in the biggest year hmm. of the existence of modern humanity, you know damn well they can't resist. We ought to get people to do it on September 11th. I would love that. And we should just, again, we should get together and um, confab about what we want to manifest. And just e even if it's a single word, the more simple, the better it works, right? So it's a, it's less complex and more about one single thing uh, and try to get that. For, we, we should do some gematria, look into it, get the study, get the stars right, uh, because this is the stuff they're doing, right? And yeah. so if we can uh, if we can kind of focus on this and get something that works really well with the right frequency and um, amplitude, uh, I, I suspect that we would be um, I, flabbergasted. I, I think you're probably right, and I think it might go. Well, I, I won't jump the gun again here, but I think the result of that, you know, if you could get maybe four or five hundred people to participate, and why wouldn't they? It's easy. Just look at a TV and go click, <laughs> click, click, um, and you know, it, it, even your 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 camera will put a timestamp on it. I mean, it would be nice to have more data than that, but really, with that, you can work. But the point is, what would you catch on a day like that, which is pivotal 
and the existence of human lives, which gets echoed all the time. And in this year, of all years any of us have been alive, you know damn well if you put leg shackles, thumb cuffs, handcuffs, buried in them a hole, they'd still have to do something with that date. There's no way they could resist it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that um, <laughs> there, there are times like this I go, fuck, man, if I just had a lab, <laughs> uh, if I had some of the tools I used to have, right, do That's some it. electromagnetic studies and um, to, to really flesh some of these things out because I've been playing around, um, especially after con- some conversations with Cammie Nodell uh, and talking about some of this stuff and um, self-organizing structures, crystals, um, uh, and frequency and looking again, uh, I've mentioned it before, looking again at the, um, the periodic table of elements and, and my suspicions about the way that that's organized. Uh, again, I, I don't let's, think it has anything to do with the, with the atomic model or uh, atomic weight at all. Let's ask all the people in the chat room how many people will be down uh, on the 11th of September getting a camera, turning on a television, and randomly clicking shots. Uh, if it's a camera you can set at one of the fastest frame rates you have, how many people would be into doing that? And then, well, Baldini, you're already set up to collect data, right? So we would, yeah. we would already have a collection point if people just wanted to email what they got. Yeah, I can put together a, a Dropbox address where people can just uh, contribute to it. Uh, I can make that <clears throat> fairly, you know, as long as, you know, <laughs> people agree that, not to yeah, try to crash it. But, but um, you know, it's You a, could it's almost a, do another thing, too, though. If you had all those images, I would be willing to bet the color palette matches whatever's going on, too. Yep. So yeah. I think there's there's two things here that I'd like to look into. One is to do the manifestation, the conscious manifestation, and the second is to do what Crow is suggesting, which is especially on that date, especially I would think the news, um, if we were to look at uh, news uh, specifically uh, and take a look at uh, live reports and that sort of stuff and start taking um, some still frames of that and just see what we get i mean i would i would guess it would be a small percentage of people would actually capture it but that we probably could uh capture some of that stuff and then also but consider there, there's a, there's also the whole i don't know if you were going to cover it but the carrier wave so in, in yeah so even on tcm where you're looking at dr Zhivago made in i think 65 or whatever it is um, in the new format, it's no longer film. It's in a digital signal. But the way that they broadcast it, there's these things, which maybe Baldini can better define than I can. It's a carrier wave, right. which is kind of independent of everything required. Almost like there was this extra hose built to a water delivery system That's that exactly wasn't right. built. Yeah, built to deliver the water. Something else is going through that part of the hose. Well, and that's exactly what 5G is. That's what I've been trying to, I mean, I, I again, try to stay out of the fray. Uh, my channel is more about this awakening project than it is about these external things, right? Because uh, to each their own, right? There are so many rabbit holes to go down that we can't cover them all. And I appreciate, that's why I appreciate what you and Jason do, right? Is to go down uh, these rabbit holes and um, open people's eyes to to think about some of these things. Uh, but there, um, th- there is the, the carrier frequencies as you mentioned this is what exactly what 5g has to do is that the idea that they're selling you of like fast downloads that's like a tertiary or maybe even um you know kentiary uh, idea of what it can do it's the other stuff that it's made to do uh, that is far more important it's like oh yeah and it can carry data <laughs> right so, uh, but but it has it so has we're like far more other applications than that so we're like a month and a half away man I, i'm serious we should do this guys and then then jason and i could put up an episode um, and cover what we find because okay. I would be willing to bet donuts to dollars, you know, damn well. 
Well, I'll, I'll, I know for sure that I will set up uh, a Dropbox folder, uh, and I'll get that all ready uh, and make it uh, accessible so people can drop things into it without <laughs> taking stuff out of it and, and where, messing where stuff up. Rose, man, without Rose, we're, we're all going to walk away, find our extra cocaine, and forget about this. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to be responsible okay. tonight. <laughs> oh no! Not you. Oh, that's good stuff. Let the long no, do work. It. He has no idea why there's extra cocaine. So that works. <laughs> can step up. No, but we we should we should literally do this because part of the real power in the idea that we're thinking about trying to accomplish here is the precondition. You know, the fact that we know in advance, you see what I'm getting at? If intent drives our world and we're sitting here reasonably sure that there's no way you can miss, I'm just saying, isn't that a powerful, powerful thing? I agree. Um, And and I think this is a good place, too, to try to dovetail back into the um, to the document. Um, And we should probably put this up somewhere where if people are interested in that document, again, that's just something I wrote just doing some research on this uh, specific topic of mesmerism kind of in the modern age because of that's the effect. That's what's being done to the masses is that we're being um, very specifically hypnotized to a, a vast and wide variety of means all pointed at the same thing, which is to put uh, people into a compliant state uh, so that they can say anything that they want, right? Mask, just, you know, suggest to wear a mask. Uh, right. It doesn't, it doesn't have any value. I mean, anybody who can do the the math really quickly can see the presumptive size of the pathogen uh, and the the tightest weave of a cotton weave weft is. I mean, it'd be you're going to have a better chance of, of stopping you know mosquitoes with a chain link fence. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and there's but think think about the whole mask thing, though, Baldini. What if in the carrier waves and you know even if it was just real quickly being flashed as an image. Uh, as the mask order was going out, there were things like "you're going to die," "you're going to get sick." Um, just there is fear. Thing. Yes, it's yeah. terror. What if that was the actually the subconscious driver? Um, because we know damn well uh, Giancarlo, who many remember from our show, met a Quaker guy because he was buying good cheese, and he said, "Excuse me, Quaker sir, how come your community is unaffected by COVID?" And the guy looked him in the eye and he says, "Because we don't watch TV. <laughs> we want TV exactly." Exactly. We just roll oats. <laughs> the Scientologists survived. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, this is um, so. I think we you know we definitely. Um, oh, so Belish is asking the name of uh, our channels. Uh, Wayne McCroy is uh, a chemical tech revolution, and mine is unintended consequences. Uh, so you can uh, find that and um, probably yeah, we're doing this right. Pardon me. We're doing this right. Yeah, we're no, I'm absolutely doing this. I'm gonna. Um, well, a lot of this stuff weekend, will get talked about on Rose's too. Rose Triple Seven, her channel. Yeah, and I'll I'll mention it. Uh, Rose and I do the Poppycock Report on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, and so um, we'll st- I'll kind of throw that out there as well. We'll get more people uh, onto this idea, and we'll clarify a little bit what we're um, what we have in mind. And I'll set up, like I said, I'll set up a a, a cloud location so we can people can drop uh, images if they find anything interesting. They can drop that in there. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that I love. I'm I'm a nerd. <laughs> I, I love um, you know doing uh, experiments and and. 
looking the deep into these things. Yeah, the potential here is off the charts. If you got fortunate, and I suspect Baldini's right on the money, probably not everybody will hit pay dirt, obviously. If you put enough effort, though, I'm saying I think you probably would. Um, if you pay attention to what you're doing, you try to refine the way you're doing it and be like an adult human being using your God-given brain um, to dial in on what you're trying to accomplish. But I'm envisioning that some of the things that could be detected, if this works on any level, is you can almost start to draw one-to-one -one correlate. You might be able to walk away with real ammunition to show people you know, yeah. you're you're wondering why there's so many mask holes in the world. Well, unfortunately, they <laughs> and one, the wrong day to watch. One TV. thing I would, one thing I would definitely ask though of, of people, uh, and, and again, I would hope I wouldn't have to say this, but I, but I'm gonna, right? Is um, please uh, don't um, you know fraudulently put anything or, or um, Photoshop anything in there. Um, truth never needs any of that nonsense. We we never need to fabricate um, any information. We, uh, we it, could detect it. Just, it. We yeah, we could. I just, I we just don't. Tools. I just don't want. I just don't want to have to, right? I mean, right. I just want to ask people to again to use your your positive intention here um, to try to capture something. Um, and again, don't please don't don't do that. I mean, we'll 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 probably notice it. Both Crow and I, and uh, you know, we have a background there, in media. There's tools. There's tools that that people wouldn't know how to fake. But I, I you know, more I think about this, not just what's visually or or other things that are evident. But I have been harping so long on frequency, color, flicker rate, but I'll bet you that color palette, you know, because first time that I really dialed in on it was with the Ebola nonsense and the unnatural yeah. green. And when I said it, what stunned me is so many people, I said it like years after the fact, so many people went back. It was insane, the number of people. And so I took the images that I was being sent and I took them into Photoshop to see the unnatural green. And you got to realize the lighting and everything in these images has changed over time. But I could easily see the range that was being Pavlonianly, is that a word, used? Pavlovianly, uh, yeah. But I can I can add here, and again, I didn't want to get too deep into the technical stuff because it makes people kind of blur over. But um, one of the things that, for example, happens is, um, we, and you're right on with this again, Crow. The the way the color palette works is keep in yeah. mind um, that uh, in the retina, which is the back part of your eye, which is what receives light, there are two things: there's rods and cones. All right, and um, the one of them does luminance, that is the light and dark, and one of them does chroma, which is the color. And then we have the three color cells, right? And some animals have up to five. Right, so they can see into the ultraviolet or infrared spectrum. Uh, but what happens is there's also a fluid in the eye, right? And um, and the lens basically refracts or bends the light to a focal point. Uh, and so one of the things that, that occurs is when they break these color palettes down, as Crow has rightly said, when they change when they change the color palette and kind of shifted it over in the same way. Think of uh, what Jason and I have talked about in terms of the difference between 432 hertz and 440 hertz, uh, and and what happens there in terms of, for example cymatics and and you can see the result immediately that um, the 432 is a more coherent form and the 440 is more dissonant well uh, the same thing happens and what's happening with television especially uh, computer monitors with this shift in color palette uh, is it's moved over and, and so they, they make colors that are impossible and that they don't ex hmm. actually exist in nature and what happens is again it causes your eyes to jitter and this same eye jitter right it makes your eyes move a little bit uh, because it's trying to focus on something it cannot focus on and again this uh, puts you into sort of a hypnotic state there, there's 
thousands of little things like that that they do um, that causes the again the, your eyes to respond in a certain way uh, that causes you to get into a, a, again a, a hypnotic state because these things are physiologically happening to you um, without your ability to control it it's just a subconscious reaction it's, well there's there's another thing you should mention here there was research done um, I don't even know where I was reading it but like they'll have something in the frame of a TV travel to the upper left and when your eye and your retina get positioned in that way they knew either cones or rods were more prevalent yes. and that's yes. when they bombarded uh, the correct manipulant <laughs> exactly you know, manipulating things so that either You're a right rod on or, and then they do it and so that had such a they they were even caught once remember when everyone was it simpsons or was it some japanese cartoon they did like you know samurai jack where they flash the black and white um and that is right on the edge they cut it right at the edge but they did that in either a simpsons or something where people passed out and had seizures because they were testing how far it would go pokemon oh yeah it was pokemon back in the early days yeah yeah so they were acting like it was an accident but that was actually a real live test um, to see see what would happen. Well, so, yeah, it worked. Is, <laughs> yeah, it, it does work. And uh, again, uh, Crow, I love that you're as big a nerd as I am. <laughs> you're all down with this. This is exactly the stuff that I get fascinated by. And I, I mean, these rabbit holes go so deep. And when you understand, when I start reading the abstracts, right, of the uh, of the technology and read the stuff that comes out of these labs, they, they rarely will tell you the implications. But when you, um, uh, when you are able to do multidisciplinary study and you understand the implications in a broader spectrum, uh, in fact, even some of the people working on some of these technologies, I, I would suspect, have no idea um, how they're going to be applied because they don't understand um, the nature of how it works with other things and how it could be right. deployed. Right. So um, this is uh, it's very, you know, we live in a dangerous world. And I, I, I rarely say those things because uh, I, I don't want to be a fear monger. I don't want people to run around being afraid. But the 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 nature of the electromagnetic soup that we live in, for one, and what's being presented on your screens to you constantly. Um, it is uh, remarkable to me that more people aren't overtly insane. I mean, uh, and I see the result of it on a daily basis. Uh, when I hear people sometimes talk and behave, uh, I can tell that they are not in their right mind. Uh, and uh, it's it's um, not it's it's not that remarkable that that it happens we, because. We, yeah. I'm just saying, man, we should aim for a thousand people um, with all of our combined audiences. Um, that shouldn't be too hard to pull off. But I mean, let's get down to brass tacks here, Baldini. Can you deal? With that kind of input um, yeah. out of the gate, yeah. you could be I, the collection point. You could do, Jason. We got to bring Rose in on this. I know damn well if Rose isn't herding the cats around here, the cats are going to wander. Yeah, uh, I'll make sure. Uh, by the way, should we choose one single program, uh, such as like Fox I would, News? Or I something? would say I would say absolutely not. What I would say, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me, but my idea would be the person should absolutely watch whatever they would be if they were a normal watcher, or decide what they want to look at um, to go do it if they're not a TV watcher. That's the idea I would have. I'm of that mind or or the news or something like that. And I would say um, follow your gut too. Um, I think your gut instincts could lead you there if you just had exactly. a – a wild hair up your ass, right? Just like uh, just something, because again, I don't really watch TV uh, other than sometimes I'll watch movies or something that I want to look for information in. I see what's trending or um, I try to look backwards and see if they put predictive programming in certain things. Other than that, I don't, I don't really watch it. Um, but but I will certainly be onto this. And uh, But certainly, Crow, yes, I can set up uh, a data account. I can, I can so manage I can, that. 
I'm kind of a digital image expert, not to the cutting edge that some are now, but I was in the early 2000s, I was cutting edge, and I still know enough to deal with many aspects of it. But oh, I see what people are saying. Just so everybody knows, I'm, I'm putting out episode 237 at midnight. Um, I'm not going to do Wednesday releases on the back of the terrible thing that happened last week. But my point here is um, for, for color palette things, I, I don't know how much, how much are you up on that? Do you know all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, just to some degree, I certainly I work in media, you know, so I so um, you can deal. You can deal. Um, not only that, think about doing inversions on. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I, well, there's a million things I could think of doing. Well, here's the here's the thing, Crows. I can certainly manage the intake of it. I may not be able to. Um, I may not have the time to go through all of it, and that's where that's where well, I kind of. What we need is if we've got people that are going to participate, they'll review their own work, and anything that it's interesting, is yeah. interesting should get submitted, and that would cut down from thousands of images exactly. that don't mean anything. In other words, a person who's going to participate should be able to see this seems a little weird yeah. or whatever and submit it and label yeah. it as such and i'll put then, up a submission form right. as well that say capture the metadata and the um exif data as well and tell me where you got it and you know, what the circumstances that there's, sort of stuff as well there's yeah. five of us that could review pics because and by the way rose is probably going to be better at that than anyone she can type a transcript listen to it and fast forward so um but wayne myself jason rose you that's five five pairs of eyes to burn through I think there would probably be a few people that would um, a volunteer as well to take a look at some of it. If we sure. just got inundated with a bunch of stuff, I'm sure that there are a few extra. Sure. I mean, I, I communicate yeah, with a lot of people you know um, since. Well, sorry, but the other thing is is that I just realized we'd have to know what kind of camera it was because if someone finds a lot of success, you'd want to know the system. Yep. And that's, again, part of the EXIF data it would tell us um, that as well as all the focal information and all the, um, you know, what the f-stop, all that stuff would be included in that uh, if they're using a digital camera as well. Uh, and I, if people are using film cameras, that'd be interesting, too, to see if you could. TV, uh, if we found something crazy, you'd start to want to know hertz rates and TV types, but that's after the fact um, because you'd be able to contact people back. But I don't know. Well, at least – at least the um, yeah the, the the model of their television and um, what the source is are they getting cable right or what you know satellite or whatever it, it hurts right for sure but I yep. mean Jason Jason Wayne you guys into this crazy idea yeah yeah absolutely oh yeah I'm digging it all day long I think it'd be great because I, I actually what I better way this. to expose that like this stuff's happening I you did know? This what better way to expose <laughs> I actually did this before with my Nikon, and I put the telephoto on it, and I, the room in California was just big enough that I could get far enough away from the TV to use the long throw telephoto. It was at the very edge of it, and I started doing it, um, and I got some weird things, but I never had time to go back on it. Um, I'd actually forgotten about it, but Jason so, um, and I talked about this like three or four years ago. So covering a couple of things in the chat. Yeah, we can uh, write up. We have a little bit of time. Um, we can certainly write up exactly what we're looking for so it's, we're pretty clear on how to how to approach it uh, and what we're looking for in that. Uh, but I also get a sense, Carol, uh, that this might be uh, the first of several um, <laughs> different uh, group, um, you know, not crowdsourcing things, right, yeah. that we can kind of uh, put together and uh, turn the tables on, on these guys. Um, That's cool. I know, right? <laughs> to get, to get yeah. people, yeah, to get people that tuned in on something that you know actually underscores all the nonsense we all kind of put up with knowingly and unknowingly. Because once you see 
some nonsense embedded in you know a 400 hertz frame rate you're not going to look at that thing in the same way after the fact ever, ever again any, no neither is anyone else who you know people like us take it apart and try to make a little meaning maybe even add some numerical occult information if we're able um it'll it'll go to show you and by the way you know get someone like athen in here to line the sky clock up a little mm. bit better than any of us can there's so many things we could do with it yep so I'm uh, fully down with this. And again, I think it's probably one of, um, you know, uh, of many uh, of such types of things that we could uh, kind of put together and, again, try to crack the code a little bit. Uh, I, don't, I don't mind at all trying to turn the tables on these guys because uh, so he says, I bet it's a penis. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be something. It, no, it'll boy, be something. I would be surprised if you're watching Golden Girls almost certainly. But, Jason, you got to remember <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make Baldini fall out of his chair. Jason, <laughs> <laughs> got a clue rose into all this. I, I will indeed. I will indeed. Yeah. She's doing I other just, things tonight. I Probably singing karaoke. And I, well, you actually hit it on the head. She's uh, singing karaoke. I just texted her. Yeah, there you go. So, um, but yeah, again, uh, so if that doesn't give you a clue, guys, um, the world around you is, um, it's a stage, it's a stage hypnotism show. Uh, and the people around you have been hypnotized. Uh, if they said cluck like a chicken, they'd cluck like a chicken. If they said that the, that the Rona was uh, carried through farts and they had to stick a butt plug in, people would be walking around with a butt plug in um, tomorrow. Right. So why, uh, why do we put a butt plug? You need a mask, dude. You're infecting us. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I, I have literally I have literally asked a couple of people. I said, so when are you going to take that thing off? And you can see them blink a little bit. And the only answer they have is when they tell me to. Yeah, and you just kind of sadly shake your head and go, mm hmm. Right. Um, you, you have advocated your own will uh, to someone else. So Indeed. there's no other answer. There's no other answer they can provide when I'm told to. Are we going long here, Jason, or is it just that we're yapping so much you can't get into a word in edge? Oh, I was going to close it down a while ago, but hey, if you guys got something to say, I'm just sitting here chilling. I'm just reaching into I my I think Wayne fell asleep, of, uh, though. Leftover, leftover cocaine, so. Uh, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys want to want to do a little wrap-up, go right ahead. I'm actually getting kind of tired myself, so uh, hopefully that, that painted a good picture for everybody, though, that there is a lot of mesmerism and propaganda going on, and... Uh, I wish they'd take the damn masks off already. Right. Uh, well, I know the perfect soliloquy to, to end this if you want it. Sure, go, go ahead. ahead. All right. For it. If I can pull this off. <laughs> I haven't smoked dope in years, so I should be able to. Let's see. Ladles and jelly spoons, I have come before you to stand behind you to tell you about something which I know nothing about. This Thursday, which is Good Friday, there will be a mother's meeting for fathers only. Wear your good clothes if you have none. Admission is free. Pay at the door. Pull up a chair. Sit on the floor. I'll tell you a tale you've heard before. It'll fascinate you. It's really a bore. One bright day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, threw their swords, and shot each other. A deaf policeman heard the noise. He got up and shot the two dead boys. And if you don't believe this lie is true, ask the blind man. He saw it too. <laughs> and thank you all. Our next meeting will be about the four corners on the round table. <laughs> and he saw it too through, it, through a knot hole in a brick wall. And that's interesting. What is that from, Crow? I don't know, man. But It's an old thing. We learned he just kids. put a glory hole on my soliloquy. <laughs> 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 a mask on Baldini. <laughs> Holy smokes. 
Well, I got to tell you, the Canadian CDC is uh, saying uh, glory holes are recommending glory holes for sex now. So yeah, let's not even go there. <laughs> so you have been programmed. Canada Scott Maldini put a glory hole in Crow's soliloquy. I'm uh, I'm too close to Canada. I'm in Seattle. It's it's too close to, to BC. Um, so there you go. Um, nice soliloquy. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'm done. So again, uh, if you're wondering, if, if you wonder why there's zombies, it's because there's zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you for clarifying. Just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. By the way, we are releasing episode 237 very shortly, in fact. That's the one with Tom Barnett. It is a great, great, great interview that we did. That was quite a conversation. So you're going to get a little bit early. About, uh, what, Crow, 10 hours early? Yeah, 20 minutes from now. I'm not... Man, did we pay for doing a Wednesday last time around, didn't we? So I, yes, I'm going to wait till a minute after midnight. Oh, You're in the lotus position now? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Get, get, your, get your yoga in. When you, when you create the mastermind schematic, you only deviate in case of emergency. And last <laughs> Wednesday was not an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turned out to be an emergency, not our emergency, but I'm just saying, man. Oh, dear. That was some serious well, shit. All right, everybody, oh, let's sign her off. I think we're good. Thanks for being here. Uh, well, we even went a little long even with being half an hour late. So there it is, guys. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.
Thank you. 